are listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? I need to talk to you, Bruce. What is it, Clark? It's our current status quo in the comics. You need to stay away from the New 52 at the moment. I can't bear to even look at the books. If there is even a 1% chance that it might be good, we have to give it a read. Surely there's at least one annual that's enjoyable. Sorry, I just can't let you read about Bunny Gordon, Colin Bunn's Aquaman, or Bloody Fists Depowered Me. Next time you see those comics in your box, don't pick them up. Consider this mercy. Tell me, Clark, do you read? You will. Hey guys, welcome back to another World's Finest episode of Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one composite host half of the posts tonight, and <laughs> joining me tonight are three, count them, three of my fellow composite other halves. So give a shout out, composite other halves. Uh, hi, it's Mike. Uh, I don't, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a composite. I'm just a guy. Hey, this is Justin. Hey guys, this is Tony. And you motherfuckers left my yellow ass off the back of my cape one more fucking time. Yeah, what's up with that, Mattel? What's up with that? <laughs> my suit is cool because I made it myself, Daddy's boy. You got a stupid S on your chest in case we could forget who you are. It's my people's symbol for hope. Hope starts with an H, stupid. Okay, okay, stop. Face it, you're late. You're wearing eye makeup. Fuck you. I didn't just inherit my abilities from a different fucking atmosphere. This air makes me strong, you fucking nerd with your nerd hair. Anyway, so in case you haven't figured it out, we are all gathered here because we're uh, super duper excited. Uh, we're, I don't know if we're getting paid by Warner Brothers to say that or not, but but yeah, we're we're super duper excited. Uh, there's going to be the the March 25th, 2016 release of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. So we decided that we wanted to do a Batman slash Superman themed show. We we've we've talked a lot about Batman and Superman or Batman with Superman, you know, on on Fanholes podcast before in the past, but this is kind of specifically you know 
centralized on you know batman and superman getting together we picked out some some specific comic series that we wanted to talk about but we did also think maybe just to break the ice and kind of shoot the shit with all the fan holes we'd kind of go around and discuss what some of our favorite batman and superman moments would be and you know obviously the characters have a long and rich history so there's all kinds of eras and stories to choose from but I mean, I'm I'm seeing all these these crazy composite Superman images and images from Dawn of Justice on all the avatars that are are in front of me right now. But th- does anybody want to kind of like go into the nitty gritty about like what what some of their favorite moments are? Do we want to talk about a little bit of history? Like what's what's kind of the the vibe from from the my fellow fan holes? Um, I, I guess like I would say. One of the first times I ever saw Batman and Superman in comic form team up. Because, I mean, me and Derek were old. We saw Superman and Batman and Super Friends all the time. But, like, as far as comics, I got on the boat a little bit late, even though I was an 80s kid. I didn't really start reading comics until, like, you know, the Batman movie came out. So, you know, I was, you know, I was mainly a Marvel guy before then, and I kind of turned into a DC guy. And I remember the first time I really saw them. I don't know if you say team up, but like in, in like be in the same comic and be a part of the same storyline was a death in the family. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if you guys don't know about it, you you should. It's just brought up all the time in uh, Batman. But this is basically the seminal uh, arc where uh, the uh, second Robin, Jason Todd, he he got pretty much offed by fan votes who who were asked to call in on their uh, phones to basically choose if he lives or dies. And uh, he does die. The Joker kills him. And because of this, Batman becomes unhinged. And he becomes so unhinged that Superman actually has to step in. And it's kind of funny because, like, you know, Batman even gives him, like, a, gives him like you know, freaking haymaker. And it's kind of funny because, you know, Superman's just like, yeah, okay, Bruce, stop hitting me. You know you can't hurt me. <laughs> he just has that look on his face like, ah, Bruce. But um, uh, afterwards, you know, Superman being the guy he is, being a very compassionate person, you know, he uh, he helps Batman out. Uh, the Joker becomes an ambassador for, uh, uh, was it Iran? or yep. Some, some yeah. Middle Eastern company. Yeah, yeah. it was Iran. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but his, his goal is to kill everybody in the UN by setting off a uh, Joker gas bomb. And uh, Supes steps in, and it's kind of cool because he's dressed like a security guard, and he inhales all this stuff, and you're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And then, like, in this really cool panel, one of my favorite panels from the, uh, the series – it's just like this smoke all around him and his like shirts ripped open and his face is kind of blackened, but you see the S shield and he's like, you got this Bruce. And he just flies off to get rid of like the gas and no one dies. And I was like, hell yeah, Batman and Superman work really good together. And then of course, after that, I read, you know, the dark Knight returns, which of course is Batman V Superman, which is ties in directly to the movie we're, we're referencing. And I guess just to, uh, bring up another fan favorite, uh, like I guess story, I know a lot of people give this like animated version of the the comic story a lot of shit. I actually really like Public Enemies, the cartoon, the the DC Direct one. I thought it was good. A lot of people like didn't like the way the art style translated into the animation, but I, I liked it. And I and also to go with the composite Superman, uh, there is a composite Superman Batman joke kinda because uh, we have our like twenty story tall robot who uh, is used to help save the day at the end of the, the arc. So th- those are just a couple of the ones. Some of them are old and one of them is kind of more recent. But, like, yeah, those are some of the ones that kind of stand out in my head as far as, like, 
Batman v Superman or Batman with Superman team ups. Can I ask a question really quick? Does Does yeah. any of you know like the first appearance of the composite Superman? Because like it's it's supposed to be World's Finest one forty two. Okay. So that like basically there's like a janitor and he yeah he he basically like stumbles into like a I I guess he's like the janitor for the Superman museum and basically there's this. You know, the Superman's got one of these replicas of like all the Legion of Superheroes, and then I guess lightning strikes all the replicas, and then he ends up with like all their powers. So basically, that's you know th- th- that's basically like his power set. Like that's why even though people constantly mock the composite Superman for how he looks, it's like obviously he's got the powers of the entire Legion of Superheroes. So like you know he's as smart as Brainiac Five. That's why he's got a green face. You know he's. He's, you know, as powerful as Monel, and he's, you know, basically got all of Superman's powers, you know, and, uh, you know, as far as, like, Daxamites go. And then he's got lightning and telepathy and, like, just all kinds of cool stuff. So, I mean, as far as that... Yeah, I mean, mean, mostly that issue is just, like, him making them, you know, it's like... I, I think, like, he was, like, jealous of them or something. So, like, basically he was just trying to make Superman and Batman look stupid so that, like the world would see composite <laughs> Superman as a hero. But like, of course, Batman and Superman kind of catch on to his ploy and everything. And then I guess, it, but it's like, it's like he only loses through like the incompetence of the idea that like, I guess he has to keep going back to the statues to like charge up. And he gets so involved in destroying Batman and Superman that he's like, oh, wait, I, I can either destroy them or I can or I'll lose my powers. And then he like races back to get his powers. But by the time he gets back, it's like too late and he totally like forgets. And he's trying to like write down like the formula of like, oh, stand in front of here and do this and that. But he can't finish writing to himself. So his past self will or I guess, you know, his whatever that his other self will, you know, realize how, how to obtain all this power and everything. And in the meantime, you know, Batman and Superman are okay and break free of like kryptonite and all this other stuff. So I was just going to cool. say like, I'll, I'll stick up for public enemies too. I mean, I know it, it's pretty like I've read both the comic and seen the movie obviously. And I know it's pretty like, you know, it's, it's amusing schlock as long as you don't like think too hard about certain things and, like, like at the comic especially, you know, where it's like, you know, President Luthor is like, you know, this meteor is coming to Earth because of Superman. And, like, people are like, uh, how do you know that? And he's like, don't question it. Like, you know, that's it just is, okay? Like, I, I've got totally legit sources, and they say that meteor is coming because of Superman. And, yeah, I don't know, it's pretty stupid. <laughs> And after the world is burned, I'm going to fuck Amanda Waller. Since since you guys both brought it up, can I just ask you and Tony, like, were you reading any other books that led up to Superman, Batman, or did you both come to it sort of standalone? Yeah, mostly standalone for me. Like, I just kind of picked up the trade, and, like, I like, you know, McGinnis's art, so I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this looks pretty cool, and... You know, I, I like the, the, the interactions between the two, but, you know, the larger plot and, like, how it handles a lot of, like, secondary characters, I'd say, is pretty weak. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah. I I don't know. What, what's your what's your answer to that, Tony? I'm just curious. I, I, I heard about the build-up. I didn't really read any of the issues leading up to them, you know, having their own solo team-up series, I guess you would call it. Um, 
But I did read a lot of the arcs in that series. I read like the uh, Supergirl arc where Supergirl came back for like the 20th time. And uh, I also read the one where the really weird one where it's like Batman and Superman rule the, the world, but they don't realize that they're being kind of evil and the the Legion is actually yeah. like yeah. kind of controlling. Yeah, that one. That one was really confusing. I was like, Jesus. But um, yeah, I, I kind of came into it like Mike. I kind of came in on a standalone because I mean it makes mainly sense because my that... my ex my ex girlfriend had the trades and like I was like oh this was cool so I just picked it up and she had like the first trade so I was able to jump in really quick yeah yeah I mean that makes sense I mean it was the that that arc you're talking about the public enemies was the first six issues of that book but I I guess I always never really cottoned to it because even. It, well, okay, one, yeah, it's written by Jeff Loeb, so there's that, right? But, but the, 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 no, but I mean, I love Ed McGuinness's art, and Jeff Loeb had a long run on Superman before that happened, and I was, at the time, like I said, I, I don't try to sugarcoat what, what my opinions were at the time, even if I'm, I, you know, even if I don't look too favorably on Jeff Loeb's work now, that doesn't mean I wasn't super into it, like, back when, he was what I consider, you know, at his zenith, you know, like writing Long Halloween and all this stuff. And, and he had a run in Superman. And, and you know, I have to admit, at that point, the Superman titles, had, you know, sort of lost some of their luster until that new bunch of creative team came in. You know, it was like Joe Kelly and Jeff Loeb and like all these guys and everything. And I I remember enjoying what they did with president Lex. But the problem was like, it, it's kind of weird. It's almost like, be careful what you wish for. Cause I remember being like a 10 and 11 year old. And when Lex was in his business suit and, you know, John Byrne sort of reinvented him, but still having those nostalgic feels for the superpowers war suit Lex and all this stuff. I was always making fanfic in my head about, Lex Luthor coming back in the war suit. Like I've got pictures where the Aussie Lex is in the war suit and everything. Like I was always dreaming of that, but it seems like he actualized it you know, because <laughs> at the end of it, you know, he was finally in the war suit and he's hopped up on like kryptonite and venom and all this other stuff. And I just, all I could think of is man, be careful what you wish for. Cause it's like, you just might get it. And like, it, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, that was supposed to be, the cap or the the final word on that president lex arc and i just thought it i don't know like like if i just feel like if you'd been reading like the superman and batman titles for all those years and dealt with you know no man's land and how lex was in that and like you know basically all these things he had done over the years to sort of wrong your your protagonists and like usually the general the general viewpoint was, well, he's untouchable. You know, he's got all these lawyers and then he's going to become the president. And now he's going to be even more untouchable. And then they just do this kind of like, I guess what you're describing, you know, Mike is like a popcorn arc where it's just kind of like, Oh, this is like a summer blockbuster. Uh, asteroids coming to earth. Okay. Fuck this. I'm evil. Like let's fuck shit up. And I was just kind of like, well, that's, <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed to throw away any, you know, it's like, I, I, I just thought it was kind of an extreme type story, but I guess, I guess that the, the, that title is something that I've never been particularly fond of, but I understand why, why people enjoy it, you know, as far as pure entertainment value, I guess, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, there, there's like one scene where it's in the, it's in both of the, 
animated version and the comic, and it was just like a really good. Like Mike, Mike said, there's a lot of good back and forth between Clark and Bruce. And it's totally Clark and Bruce. It's not Batman and Superman. <clears throat> it's where like uh, it's after uh, Bruce gets shit beat by uh, Metallo, and they're like getting away in the sewers, and 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 Clark is kind of out of it. You know, he's like just trying to you know soldier on. He's like, yeah, Bruce. Hey, hey, whatever, whatever happened to Magpie? Uh, she's dead, Clark. It's like, why do all the the funny villains always die, and all the horrible ones keep living. <laughs> you know that that funny villain magpie who put a stick of dynamite in her henchman's mouth and was going to let it explode. You know the nice one. <laughs> Way to go, Jeff. Lewis. Way I to know, go. but still. <clears throat> no, um, 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 I I guess I was just going to ask too, like, and maybe to put it in perspective uh, and tie it into our last podcast. But I, I'm imagining the answer for Tony and Mike is no. Uh, Justin, have you ever read? the two-part story with this ring? No. No, okay. So just just the, basically, uh, the way I'm going to explain this is with this ring was written by Jeff Loeb and Greg Rucka. And what it was, was, you know, th- to me, this is like the precursor to that Superman-Batman title you're talking about. Oh. The first Superman issue has Ed McGinnis art. Uh, the second issue has whoever, like, was doing the current detective comics art art at the time. Usually it was, I, I mean, I don't know if people are fans or not of it, but at the time in Greg Rucka's art, it was very two-toned. So you would have like a Ra's al Ghul story and it's like everybody would be colored greens and like, I don't know, darks, you know, like purples or something like that. And since Detective Comics uh, obviously guest starred Superman, you know, because it was a two part story, it was like everybody was sort of in reds and blues or whatever and that kind of thing. But the the idea was that, you know, Lex Luthor was the president. Lex Luthor has a kryptonite ring that can kill Superman. Lois Lane's not going to put up with that crap because she's married to him now and is not going to risk, you know, her husband. Right. So she reaches out to Batman they have their own little team up sort of in this issue of Superman and everything. And they end up breaking into the white house. And then at the cliffhanger, Superman's there to stop them. In the second part of the story, you know, there's this whole thing about, you know, Superman and Batman are fighting one another and Batman's doing all this prep time nonsense and keeping Superman at bay. And they're having these moral philosophical arguments over, you know, breaking into the White House and that it's illegal. And it doesn't matter that Lex is a douchebag because he was elected and all this other stuff. And by the end of it, it looks like Batman and Lois have pulled one over and they're going to get away with the ring. But then Lex decides to test it on Superman since he's there and then it doesn't work on him. So he knows he knows that they have the ring and everything. And so he's like, give me the real ring. And then they hand over the real ring and they think, oh, this is so terrible. We failed. Like Lois is like this. This is the most horrible thing ever. But then Batman and Superman, of course, chuckle to one another because they totally pulled one over on everybody. Superman faked not being hurt by the real ring. And he totally overacted when Lex pulled out the fake ring. (laughs) And it was all a setup. They weren't really fighting one another. They just did that for show so that they could sell what they did at the end of the story. And it was kind of like the beginning of, you know, kind of like the current 
day, you know, Superman, Batman title in a way, you know, you could think of it as like a prologue or, you know, basically, I guess how I was going to tie it into our Deadpool episode was I was going to say, this is like the Daniel Way issues of Wolverine that had Deadpool in it that got him the gig. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel oh, like yes. I feel like this is what got Loeb the gig of, hey, you you want to write Superman and Batman teaming up all the time? You and McGinnis? Because that was awesome. And like and like, I think those two issues were pretty fun. Like, but as far as what it ended up becoming, I, I don't know. You know, I have my own sort of opinion. Was it, was it kind of the slot thing where it's like, oh, you did a really good job of She-Hulk. You know what thing got canceled, but it was really funny. Right, Spider-Man. Then when you write Spider-Man, you're like. Slot, man, what happened? He used to be cool. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think there's there's things about Loeb that, that I've never really cottoned to, but I, I would say that I had fun reading that, that two-part arc. Now, I don't know how much of that was Greg Rucka and how much of that was Loeb. You know, like, I, I think, yeah. I think th- my thing was, if they really wanted to recapture what worked about that story is, they probably should have hired... Loeb and Ruka to co-write Superman, Batman, but yeah. instead they just went with who wrote the first half of it. So you basically got all the the glam and 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 kind of shiny of of that first part without any of the sort of thought through stuff refinement yeah that was sort of in the second part of it, I guess you know like that basically the guy who was there to work out all the kinks and actually, conclude the, uh, the 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 two-parter in a satisfactory manner instead of having like Lex Luthor make out with Amanda Waller and stick a bunch of venom and kryptonite in his veins and go hoo ha ha I'm a bad guy you know like we're, you're like okay yeah but but I mean you know I I, I would point to that as like you know a, a fun you know fairly modern you know Superman Batman story for people to check out and everything like that what what about yourself, Justin? Is there anybody or any any particular moments or stories that you sort of wanted to key in on since we're talking about them? Um, I'll just mention Superman seventy six, uh, volume one that is, which is the first Superman Batman team up. Um, like I read a reprint or something of this a long time ago, and then I read it again in that uh, Superman. 75th anniversary that came out a few years ago or i guess maybe it was last year but i thought that was a fun comic and it has it it has like one of my favorite tropes and that's um when superman or batman pretend to be the other one yeah <laughs> because like superman and <laughs> yeah. or bruce and clark are on this ship and then lois gets involved and super, the, lois over here is superman talking and they're trying to figure out like how to get rid of lois because she's you know She's irritating, and she's, like, trying to find all these things out. And Lois is like, well, I'll show them. So she pretends to, like, fall in love with Batman. And she does such a good job that Superman is like, whoa, did she really fall in love with Batman? So he's all worried about this. <laughs> and then anyway, like, towards the end, like, um, Batman or Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne has to pretend to be Clark Kent while Superman shows up. And he's like, hey, Clark, I'm, I'm glad you're okay. Like, you were really sick on this whole bunch thing. And Lois is like, well, I guess that goes my theory of like Clark Kent being Superman. Or at the very end, they're getting off the boat, and, they're, and Superman and Batman are like, well, I, which, I, I wonder which one of us is going to take Lois out. And you can see it's like she's got her armor on Robin, and she's going to go on a date with Robin. <laughs> yeah, that, that always made me laugh. Everybody loves the dick. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just see? just just commenting on superman 76 like the the two things that i i wanted to bring up was that 
uh, and I also mentioned this in the Deadpool show. I don't know why we keep tying it back to the Deadpool show, but that that annual I told uh, Mike and Tony about in the Deadpool show, where where it, it basically is an homage to that issue that Justin just brought up because they're both on a cruise ship and you know basically in that one it's like the crime syndicate shows up and Deathstroke meets his crime syndicate duplicate, which is essentially Deadpool and all that kind of stuff. But it's 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 kind of the same. You know, it, it, it's it's a loving homage to that original story, basically. The the other thing I didn't realize was, I guess maybe I was, like, too encrusted in the hype or whatever, but I guess, strictly speaking, like, I mean, I, I, I knew about the radio show, so I knew the radio show appearances where Batman either filled in for Superman or teamed up with Superman happened before Superman 76, because that was in 1952, and, like, the radio show, by the time Batman, like, the radio show ran for fucking ever. Like, it ran for a really, like, it ran for years. But, like, I think in 1945 was when Batman and Robin first showed up on the Superman radio show. And usually it was, like, the, the, the voice actor was, like, sick or tired or something. You know what I mean? Like, on vacation. And then they'd have, like, whole arcs where it's like, oh, Superman's not here, but Batman's on a case. You know, and he'd... He'd take over the show for like, you know, a couple weeks or something like that and give the guy his, his vacation or whatever. But the um, the other thing that I didn't think of and didn't realize and then I started looking into it because we were going to do this show is I, I didn't realize like basically th that's sort of considered the first Earth One meeting between Batman and Superman. Because there's there's a bunch yeah. of stuff in All Star Comics where, strictly speaking, like if you want to get technical about it, like 1941, there's like an All Star Comics Justice Society story, and since they're both honorary members, it's kind of like I mean, it's not like they really have a team up between just the two of them, but it's kind of like one of these things where oh, it's like hey, look, it's the Justice Society, and hey, look, it's our honorable, you know our honorary members, you know, and then at the end of it, it's kind of like, look, like Bruce Wayne shows up and then gets Batman to help us, you know, and it's like, oh, and, and Clark Kent shows up and gets Superman. And then it's like, at the end of it, it's just kind of like, hey, look, they're hanging out together. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's not, it's not quite as, you know, personal bull, you know, or kind of like between, you know, mono e mono or anything, but, but they are strictly speaking, sort of, appearing together for the first time in like 1941. So that was something I thought was huh. interesting. Yeah. Oh, a ran random trivia knowledge just for anybody who gives a shit, which probably no one will, but um, I know we talked about Smallville a long time ago on this series and um, actually public enemies is as far as I know, the only time that like the Smallville show and the comics slash animated universe had like a really direct tie in because Chloe was Power Girl. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, she voiced her. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the yeah. uh, the the animated thing, right? She was the VA for Power Girl. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of like times, Batman and had to be Superman or vice versa. Like I I had I had listed the the Batman the animated series slash Superman the animated series episode <laughs> Nighttime, which That's is probably one of my yeah one of my favorite episodes of either series. And yeah, where um, you know Batman goes missing and Superman has to pretend to be Batman. And uh, he teams up with Ro it's kind of like a Superman Robin team up episode, and you know he Robin has to kind of show him the ropes around Gotham, and 
Yeah, like that's a, I think that's a really great episode. I was gonna say there's one part where Superman like he kinda gets into it. Like, you know, like being more Batman than Superman. And like Robin's just off the side, he's like, now he's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part is when he meets with like Commissioner Gordon and like, you know, Commissioner Gordon's like, Where have you been? And like Superman as Batman is like, away. And <laughs> Gordon's like, you know, that's all I get and like just Batman just like nods and then he like just looks like yeah. past Gordon, like he's trying to not make eye contact with him and you can tell like <laughs> Robin's like looking so uncomfortable, like he's like Yeah, it's animated really well. Yeah. yeah. I like where he has to fight Bane and Robin's like, you're doing too well. Like you need to like not, not win. Like Batman would have a harder time with Bane. And yeah. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think there are plenty of those like old debts to comics like world's finest. I mean that, that I think is the obvious go-to comic for, for Superman, Batman team ups where they weren't, they, it seemed like they were always playing like pranks and shit on each other back in the day, but they weren't trying to kill each other basically, you know, until dark Knight returns, you know what I mean? Like where <laughs> yeah. it's like my, my, one of my, one of my favorite like Batman, Superman, like comics or whatever. And th- this is going to sound funny, but it's like, it's the first appearance of the fortress of solitude. So, I mean, I love the fortress of solitude, but it's, it's, it's super, or it's action comics, uh, 241 and like basically Superman like comes home finds like hey wait a minute this is weird like I think somebody broke into the Fortress of Solitude there's like all these notes that are like I I know you know how to get in ha 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 you stupid dumbass like figure it out or whatever and he's gonna like who could this be and it's like basically you see like you know Batman has basically like like snuck into the fucking fortress of solitude and like instead of it being like one of the wax statues that superman's erected in honor of you know his crime fighting partner it's like he's like he's like posing as the statue and he's like this will be a great (laughs) gag like like i'll really pull one over on superman and like and like by the end of it it's kind of like superman does all this stuff and he notices there's this melted pool and everything and he, he knows that batman's actually there and everything and then he pretends to like you know get a caved in and and like hurt from like kryptonite poisoning and then he's like haha fooled you too sucker like i wasn't really dead and everything's okay and like it's funny how they like both are like you know and, and then they like explain how batman because it's like wait like nobody can lift that key but superman right like it's super dense and it weighs like a gabillion tons it's like how did batman possibly sneak into the fortress so there's this long-winded explanation about how like he hid in the front hilt of the key and waited for superman to like use the key to get into the fortress and then he jumped out of it <laughs> and like hid in the fucking fortress and it's like i love that fucking shit because it's like and, and it's funny how like they both they're both basically you know you know they're both super dicks you know or bat dick and super dick or whatever but they both and it's like i love how they're just like this will be a great gag like this will be awesome you know and it's just like what they're just pranking each other you know they're like fraternity guys or whatever like hazing one another and shit and it's like i don't know it's, it, it cracks me up and i, I kind of love that shit like, i like i like some of those like goofy like covers they like they post on like like super dickery.com where it's like I, there's one where it's like super Bowl and like kid bruce wayne and they like superboy is like looking through like the time mirror or something and he's like like look look little bruce wayne like in the future you'll be batman and i'll be superman and we'll fight crime together 
<laughs> it's like, and then the comment is like, here's a better use for your, like, time mirror or whatever. Why don't you warn Bruce Wayne that his fucking parents are going to be murdered? <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it has to happen. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of good animated team ups. I mean, there's there's obviously the the world's finest version of like you know the comics in Batman animated and Superman animated. And like I said, like that that one with like Robin kind of showing Superman the ropes as far as how to how to be how to be Batman. I, I like a lot of those early team ups. They they uh you know and and, and like to Derek's note. And and Justin's note like about that uh, the cruise ship one there there is that uh thing in World's Finest where Lois is kind of kind of like a, slightly smitten by Bruce you know she thinks like you know he's he's handsome and stuff but it doesn't go anywhere but it is kind of nice to see that kind of stuff you know interplay in the actual cartoon yeah definitely definitely I think I think I've got like Derek's voice in my head when I like whenever I either rewatch or think about like that world's finest like three parter from the animated series because now now when I watch it I'm kind of like man like Superman kind of gets shit on for this entire like three he, he, he really does how do I contact Superman he's out at sea never around when you need him yeah uh, I mean it's it, it's one of those things where you can tell it's written by people who love Batman and there's nothing wrong with that but but except for when in in my mind it comes at the expense of like another character and i i don't know like i can just tell they 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 really wanted to just do a whole other season of batman but instead you know wb's like we want a superman cartoon and bruce tim was like what okay you know like i'll make (laughs) one or whatever you know and it's just kind of like oh well you know like I, i i feel like you know i i don't know if i'm I, I, I can just go down a list of things. Like, I feel like I'm just listing every time Batman and Superman teamed up. So it's like my favorites <laughs> are all of them. But like, I mean, there's, there's, there's other good, I mean, obviously, like I said, world's finest has a bunch of cool stuff. Like I love all the stuff with like, like Batmite and, and Mitzelplik. Like the first time they team up is like world's finest one thirteen, And then, you know, springing out of yeah. that, they, they teamed up a bunch of times. Like they have a, a really cool prestige format book called world's funnest where they yeah, I like that <laughs> they beat the crap out of each other and it goes through like all these different timelines and it has all these great different art styles from all these different creators and everything like that. Um, there is as far as like, like basically after dark Knight returns, like, cause, cause for me, I think if I was making a, a list of my favorite Batman Superman moments, it's like, Dark Knight Returns is probably m- one of my favorite Batman stories, but I'm not going to say it's, like, one of my favorite oh, Batman yeah. Superman stories, I guess. But, like, like ever since that post-crisis, like, scenario where they sort of weren't the best of friends to start with and they had some place to go, you know, they could have, like, sort of an arc or whatever. I mean, the the John Byrne stuff is basically where some of that stuff happened, you know, and, and after Man of Steel 3... You had like Action Comics 594 and Adventures of Superman 440. And like, I really do like those moments because basically what it is is Superman's handing off the Smallville, like Ma Kent's family scrapbook to Batman but they don't know each other's identities yet. And to put it in perspective, like the reason why I bring it up is, you know, you talk about the world's finest thing and, and basically what it is, is 
in world in that animated thing, Superman uses his X-ray vision, says you're Bruce Wayne, and then Batman puts a tracer on him, like Superman couldn't hear it or whatever. But anyway, puts a tracer on him. He goes home, goes to bed, and then Batman's like, "Ha ha! Like I see you from my binoculars. You're Clark Kent." And you know, Superman smashes it and is like, "Touche!" and is all, you know, Tim Daly mad or whatever, right? But in <laughs> in in the 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 real quote unquote post crisis canon. Superman gives him this scrapbook, asks him for help, and basically what he's trying to do is figure out what happened to the, the you know, he's trying to solve like a murder, basically. And he doesn't have, you know, in his in his opinion, he's like, look, I don't have the detective skills like you do. He's like, I can I can see with my, you know, microscopic vision, the fibers of the book, and I can tell you all this stuff about it, but I can't put those pieces together as far as like a criminal profile or whatever, you know, like basically he's trying to figure out like who basically, you know, prove that, you know, Luther kidnapped his parents. And, you know, it goes back to like an old story in the beginning of that John Byrne uh, Superman run or whatever. And so he hands off this scrapbook and who's there, but Robin. And it's kind of like, Oh, I see you've taken up with a young partner now. And Robin is basically all sort of a flutter like, Oh, that's Superman. This is awesome. Like I get to meet Superman and, and Superman's like, well, I could give you an autograph, but he's like, paper won't do. I mean, who's going to believe that, you know, you got an autograph from Superman if I sign a piece of paper. So he takes like a piece of like metal from the rooftop and he basically like heat visions like his name on it. And then after that, he's just like, this is cool and everything. And he and he's kind of like <laughs> Batman, you know, you kind of you kind of lightened up since you took a partner like this. This could be good for you or whatever. And, you know, this and that and the other thing. And then and then they end up meeting later when Batman basically figures out, you know, what what Superman asks him to. But he's like, look, he's like the only thing that you can really deduce from this scrapbook is that you're Clark Kent. And he's like. I didn't expect him to know that, but it's like, cause Batman's smart enough. And I'm just like, well, that's cool because it's not like, it's like Superman didn't intend to give up his secret identity. And, and by the end of it, even though, even though he had blocked his mask with lead lining and he couldn't see through x-ray vision as he flies off, he says, well, thanks a lot, Mr. Wayne. And basically Batman's just like, oh, I'm so stupid. Like, just because I put lead lining doesn't mean he couldn't figure it out from, like, my voice, like, you know, my pores, like, all this other crap that, you know, that all these other powers that Superman has. So it's like they they have that touche moment, but I guess maybe I'm just, you know, biased or whatever, but I guess I like it better because Superman got the touche instead of Batman. But that's that's the, the perils of, you know, it's like that was Superman's book, so he got to have the last word, whereas I guess... On that animated series, you know, Batman was written by Batman guys who wanted to do a Batman show. So they had him have the last word. So but but I, I, I did think that well, was well, a cool it, moment, you know, if it helps, though, um, <clears throat> this is always I don't know why it always sticks in my head. And it's a very short scene. I think it's like maybe two pages. It's in a, a JLI. This is during the uh, Giffen de Mateus run. And um, the, the league is kind of short on, on power players. And Batman's like, you know what? I know a guy. So he calls Clark. And Clark, you know, is hovering. It's, it's kind of cool. He's like just like kind of floating next to this uh, rooftop. And Batman's all like, you know, Bruce is like, uh, we need your help. Uh, the you know Justice League needs a Superman. 
And Superman is like, oh, well, that is an honor. You know, I, I you know, thank you for asking me. And he's like, OK, so we'll see you tomorrow at like 8 a.m. He's like, yeah, but I've got a lot of stuff on my plate. I just can't like, com- you know, commit myself to the Justice League. And like, just like, I don't know. He just gets friend zoned in just like, oh, <laughs> it's just really funny. It's just like. Clark's not being a dick. He is really busy at that point in his comic. He's, he's just like, can't do it, bro. Sorry. And Batman's just like, it's, and okay. It's like the, the, the behind the scenes is like, can't do it, bro. Editors won't let me use me or whatever. Yeah. Like, so. Yeah, but it, it is just kind of funny. I, I, I always took it like as a, as a, as in a in story thing. Cause, cause Hawkman brings it up later on, even though he, he, he eventually ends up joining though. It was like, of course, during the Giffen Dimitrius run, there's a lot of humor. And I can kind of see Superman being like, you guys are silly. <laughs> like, is there, is there anything else like Mike and Justin want to bring up before I maybe trickle down and like a little list and then we can, we can sort of move towards the, the book that Tony wanted us to talk about. I think I'm good. I, I think I would rather hear like, you guys talk about like Superman and Batman stuff because okay. like, I I just wanted to talk about seventy uh, six really quick and I just wanted to hear your guys thoughts. And cool, stuff. cool. Okay, yeah, you can go ahead. Okay, I, I all I was gonna say was uh, that my my avatar tonight is from a, a three part story that's called Dark Knight over Metropolis and like that was and and I know me and Tony are fond of saying how we're old and crusty but like. I think that was like an exciting story for me because I, I don't know how to explain it. Like me and Tony grew up with Superman and Batman on Super Friends. So we were always used to them being friends. And then you read Dark Knight Returns and it like blows your little like, you know, nine year old mind or whatever. Right. And they're not friends. And then you sort of kind of key into like that's the status quo and you're reading like man of steel and it's like they're they're teaming up but it kind of ends with that like in another world we could have been friends like world's finest hint hint cough cough wink wink you know and all this kind of stuff and so you're kind of like getting the idea like they don't exactly get along and stuff but when that three-part story finally came out it was like sort of that arc to its completion where it was like you know there is you know a murder in gotham city batman finds the kryptonite ring but doesn't tell superman he goes investigates the murder in in metropolis you know it it leads him back to metropolis there's all this crazy stuff going on with lex Luthor and inner gang and you know they basically have like a fun team-up storyline and by the end of it you know, I, I mean, if you haven't read it, I guess this is spoilers, but, you know, it, I, I think it's a great story. Like, if, if you like Batman and Superman stuff, or, or even if you thought Public Enemies was fun, but there wasn't a lot of substance to it, if you want to read something that's entertaining but does have some substance to it, I, I would recommend Dark Knight over Metropolis, because by the end of it, they basically kind of have that you know, sort of heart-to-heart talk or whatever, and it's like, you know, they, they figure out, you know, who you know, exactly who was murdered. And it, it all leads back to like an old story from Superman number two. And then at the end of it, Superman's basically like, look, I could be mind controlled. I have a lot of enemies like they could try to, you know, uh, telepathically control me or abuse me or, you know, I don't know who knows. There could be some crazy kind of kryptonite. I could go bad. So if there's anybody that I want to have the power to stop me, it's going to be you like I trust you. And by the end of it, it's like, well, they they didn't like each other at first, 
but it's gone to this point where basically Superman's willing to put his life in Batman's hands. And so to me, it's like, you know, maybe it's more of an arc for Superman than it is for Batman. But I mean, Batman obviously respects the responsibility that that Superman has handed him, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, and, and that's kind of in the what they would refer to as the the great triangle era of all the Superman titles. And I mean, you know, for somebody who was reading like Superman as it was coming out and, and kind of getting into the whole new way of things, you know, post crisis, like that was, uh, I remember a big deal, like a, uh, you know, a huge deal story. I was thinking maybe for, for Mike, like this, this is something I thought of. There's an issue of Batman adventures, that's based on the animated series. It's like an anniversary issue. It's number 25. It's called Super Friends. And the reason why I thought of it is, like, you usually bring up, like, these kind of animated series tie-ins that I, I don't normally think of or whatever. But I remember when this came out, because this was back when the late, great Mike Parabek was doing all the Batman animated comics and everything, and, you know, it was it was just, you know, fun to read and stuff like that, but this was long before there was a Superman the Animated Series. So basically it was yeah. Batman the Animated Series with the Yellow Oval, the old-school Fox Kids Batman the Animated Series, but when he teamed up with Superman... He had, you know, the long hair and it was like the Aussie Lex was like done in an animated style <laughs> and everything. And they, they have this like team up adventure and everything. And it's nowhere near as confrontational as World's Finest ended up being. So I, I, I think if you just I think I, yeah. I've read that before, yeah. like long, long ago. And yeah, like I, I was going to say, it's like Batman and Superman, like always knew each other, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, like, it yeah, almost like like that. They they're just buddies, you know, like so it's like one of those things where I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I just I, I kind of like that. They, they almost treated it like, you know, basically everything that happened in the post-crisis canon probably happened to that animated Batman you know, so by the time they do that story, it's like, you know, not just another team up, but it was it was to me, it was kind of fun to see, a, you know, Superman in that style, because I was like, you know, like everybody else, I was I was a fan of Batman, the animated series. So seeing him done in that style was like, oh, cool, like this is awesome and everything like that. Um, there are some miniseries that you guys might like. Uh, John Byrne did, well, he did a number of them, but the first one was just Superman Batman Generations, and it was a four-issue prestige format series. The premise and appeal of the series is it essentially focuses on Superman and Batman in real time. So you start from the late 30s, where they're kind of drawn in how they were originally conceived like kind of the the golden age looking superman age batman with the purple gloves and all that stuff and and you follow the characters throughout all these generations so some of them don't last that long you know like obviously like superman is fucking superman so he can be immortal and not age but then there's all kinds of hijinks that happens with batman with like lazarus pits and sons and daughters and all kinds of cool stuff and you just basically like follow him throughout the decades and then i think you know that was so successful they went back and did other series where you know i i guess the chapters were each you know 
different decades. So you might have been like in the 30s and the next chapter you were in the 50s. The next chapter you were in the 70s. The next chapter you were in the 90s, you know, like that, that kind of thing. And and then, you know, when they did the sequel things, it was like, oh, what did we miss? You know, the 40s, the 60s, the 80s, you know, and they, they tried to do it that way. But that was also, to me, like a pretty fun series that also sort of harkened back to, you, you know, you guys talked about like the the Superman, you know, dresses up as Batman or Batman dresses up as Superman type disguises and stuff. It it reminds me, you know, this is probably based on an old World's Finest comic, but the the Batman uh, Brave and the Bold episode where Superman was in it and how, you know, basically they, they pull that switcheroo on on uh, Lex Luthor where it's like, you know, oh, I'm poisoning you with kryptonite. And it's like, haha, I'm really Batman, you stupid asshole. And he punches him in the face and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, th things like that take place in that Generations uh, series. There's like lots of nods to uh, previous, you know, pre-crisis continuity and, and fun stuff like that. There was in 1999. Uh, oh, go ahead, Tony. Uh, I didn't know if you're going to get ready to end up. I was just going to say uh, I didn't really have too much to say about them, just because not because they're bad, but just because they're 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 one shots you should just read for yourself. And also, they're kind of mashups. They're not actually like I wouldn't say Batman and Superman. They just have Batman in them or Superman in them, or they're like I said, kind of a mashup of the the concept. Two of the really good prestige formats uh, that I really enjoyed was uh, Speeding Bullets, which basically is like Batman becomes Superman. Oh, and... yeah, the, the, the Elseworlds, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, one. and then, uh, yeah, yeah, that was really fun. I like that one. And, uh, of course, I think we talked about this before, so that's why I don't want to talk about it that much. But also Red Sun features Batman, but it's definitely not a team-up. He's definitely an antagonistic person, and he doesn't last that long. He's just there for... Uh, an appearance to to be a rival to Superman, but the, both of those are, are notable like mashups of the Superman Batman concept. I, I like both of those. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I just had two more things to mention before we go into uh, what I guess Tony's pick for this evening was. But the the other uh, two I was going to mention was in 1999 there was a, a a revival of World's Finest. It was a, a ten issue miniseries called Superman Batman World's Finest, and kind of like Generations, it, it it was it was in you know supposedly in continuity, but the way it worked was the the basic premise was. Superman and Batman failed to they, they were working together, but they weren't really working together in harmony. And because of that, a mutual friend of theirs gets killed. And so basically at that point, they agree to meet one another on the same day every year and, you know, go do something in harmony together, you know, work on a case, you know, to sort of honor the death of their friend. And it's a little ham-fisted, the, the reasoning of why they get together or whatever. But basically, it's it's a framework so that you can see Superman and Batman teaming up throughout the years. So it, it's pretty fun. I mean, you can see them, it, it, and, and it plays with, you know, different points in time of continuity. So, you know, you can see them team up in the early post-crisis years. You can see them team up 
right after Jason Todd dies, you know, and it's like it's interesting because they bring up stuff about, you know, Phantom Zone criminals and how Superman killed them. And then Batman gets all indignant and is like, get the fuck out of my cave. And like, you know, and, and like, it, I don't know, it, like, I, I think if you like all the different errors, like for you, Tony, I don't know if you've ever uh, read this miniseries, but, you know, obviously there's a moment, you know, an issue that features, you know, the fact that, you know, there was the point where Superman had died. So you have Batman meeting all the replacement Superman. And then the second half of that issue is, you know, a year later where, you know, long haired, you know, hippie Superman runs into as bats. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, there's, there's different eras that they cover as you, as you go, basically, you know, it's kind of like looking at Batman and Superman's relationship over 10 years. And I think, that's if cool. if a lot of people uh, focus on that public enemies thing that you guys talked about before and liked the way Loeb sort of wrote them, you know, like the dichotomy of writing where, you know, you've got something from the point of view of Superman and something from the point of view of Batman. Well, I think if you read this, you'd see a lot of that is there with Carl Kiesel's writing as well. Like that they, they both have their own perspectives and everything. I'm not going to say it's exactly the same, but but it's 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 pretty similar, you know, so and and, and that's something has that it, has that feel. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has that feel of, you know, Superman's the light and Batman's the dark and, you know, that 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 whole kind of vibe of 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 the way they were trying to sort of sell the two characters at the time and everything like that. I mean, there's there's lots of fun nods to it, it's weird. They they seem to try to retroactively work in the whole you know nightwing is technically part superman and batman if you look at it you know because it's like nightwing was from you know he was the batman of candor but since there was no candor in the new continuity it's like how does dick grayson decide to become nightwing and you know they've had a number of stories where they've tried to explain how that could possibly occur but in the middle of this you know there there is a night where superman runs around and teams up with robin and he's like, let me tell you a story, Dick, about, you know, Nightwing and Flamebird from Candor or whatever. And you're like, ah, that's, you know, there you go. That's yeah. that's, that's him finding out about this Kryptonian legend and, and, and having the influence to then take that name later as Nightwing or whatever. So, um, and then the, the, the last thing I was just going to mention is the end of Grant Morrison's JLA run, which I've always liked in terms of the Batman Superman dynamic and specifically like JLA issue number 41. It's like part six of like the Mageddon storyline. And I always used to laugh about this with, with my friends who read it at the time. Cause you know, that, you know, he, he would always give me crap cause I love Superman so much. And it was always like, well, dude, like all these DC stories are just like about Superman being the bestest, you know, like the, the big crossovers and everything. Cause you know, Superman comes in and saves the day and I go, well, yeah, dude, cause he's the bestest, you know? And, and so we always, used to have, <laughs> yeah, we, we always used to have that kind of like funny, you know, it wasn't an argument, but it was just like, you know, that's, that's kind of like my, that was always my retort to it. And so he, he eventually like sort of grew to love this. Cause he's like, he's like, dude, so this is the end of this storyline. And it's like, basically Batman comes on the horn and remind Superman he's the bestest. Because it's like, Mageddon, like, was doing this number on, like, the whole world and everything. And so, like, Superman's all chained up. And he's like, man, everything sucks. Like, Krypton was blown up. Like, 
everything's desperation, like, this is all lame, like, we can't win, like, I'm in chains, and Krypton's dead, and Earth's gonna be dead, like, Krypton is dead, and everything sucks, and blah, 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 and, like, Martian Manhunter's trying to telepathically communicate to him, and it's like, dude, you gotta snap out of it, bro, but then all of a sudden he, like, looks into Superman's mind, and it's so powerful, he's like, dude, Krypton's dead? So's Mars! Mars is dead, and everything's on fire, and everything's gonna be destroyed, and sucks! And, like, basically, like, everybody's miserable, and he's like, God damn it, John! And Batman's like, put me on the fucking telepathic phone, now! You know? And and, and he's just basically like, God damn it, Clark, you're the fucking bestest! And, and he's kind of like, I am? He's like, you are! Like, snap out of it! And then it's like, you can do this! Like, you kick ass all the time! We always kick ass! We always win! We never fucking lose! We're Superman and Batman! And then all of a sudden, like, Superman's kind of like, oh yeah! We are the bestest! We do fucking kick ass! And then, of course, he goes and, like, kicks a bunch of ass. So, like, to me, like... Like, that dynamic I've always kind of loved because it's like they, you know, in in that sense, at least they're working together and they sort of inspire one another. And, and, and to me, like, I appreciate that because I've always been the type of guy that, like, what does Batman do on Crisis on Infinite Earths? He stands there with Jason Todd and says, dude, we just got to pray because we're too tiny and insignificant <laughs> to make a difference in this goddamn cosmic storyline. And it's like, I get that, like, some Batman fans might be pissy and mad that, you know, the ordinary Joe can't do anything. But here's an example of Morrison writing some hefty cosmic level story where Batman is vitally essential to the resolution, but it doesn't involve him dodging fucking Omega Beams or fucking punching dark side in the face or farting on fucking superman with kryptonite farts whatever the <laughs> fuck like it's just he is vitally essential but it's because of his sheer force of will and and he snaps superman yeah. out of like despair and i'm like to me like that's the way something like that should be and and that's kind of why i tend to focus on that as like one of my favorite like superman batman moments I don't know why, Derek, but when you were, like, describing that, I just imagine, like, you know, Bruce looking at John and being like, John, bloody hog. You know, and, like, he's in Superman's head, and it's like, you're the best around. No one ever's going to leave you down. <laughs> the big three, the trinity, behold, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. So I, I know kind of like kind of like the Deadpool show, we were sort of uh, holding off on on a certain story. And th this was something that Tony wanted to discuss. And I'm, I'm kind of interested, like, I, I don't know, like, did, did everybody read uh, it? Basically, what it is to, to reveal was to Tony did mention when we were thinking of doing this show, one of the stories that he really enjoyed reading. And, and I agree with him. I think it's a fun story and it's worth discussing for for Batman and Superman. But it's actually called Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Woman Trinity, and this is by Matt Wagner. It came out in 2003. Uh, as, as far as my history with the story, uh, I, I remember it came out in prestige format, and I was like, seven dollars. Fuck this shit. Seven dollars. <laughs> and, and I was like, holy crap. So I basically I waited until it was like a hardcover. And then I think I probably you know, maybe I got it on sale or whatever, but I think the cover price was like twenty four ninety five, and I read it then, and I was like, oh, that was dumb that I passed on it, because I was like, that was, you know, when I read it as a hardcover, I was like, this is great, like, I really, uh, you know, the art's great, and the story's fun and everything, and, and it, it, 
you know, essentially it's just a fun sort of, it, 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 it tries to be in continuity, but I, I don't know if you guys would notice or not, but to, to me, it's like one of these like DBZ movie headaches where if you like really, really think about it, like it, it, you'd pull your fucking hair out. But if you just kind of like, you know, read it on its own and kind of go, okay, look, this is a cool team up. It's like Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman are all meeting. Well, obviously Batman and Superman have already met, but like, they kind of treat it like Batman and Superman are first meeting Wonder Woman. And they're basically trying to stop Ra's al Ghul, who is using Bizarro and Artemis as his lieutenants. And so it's just kind of like an all out, you know, fun, you know, action storyline where, you know, basically, you know, Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman are trying to stop Bizarro, Artemis and Ra's al Ghul from like, you know, nuclear missiling the whole planet and, and sending us back to the stone age and doing all of Raish's usual, you know, eco-terrorist stuff. So, I mean, that, that, that's kind of the long and short of the story. I mean, do you want to talk about your, your history with it, Tony? Cause I know you were the one who sort of suggested we, we discuss the story. Uh, yeah. Um, actually I read this in 2009. Uh, again, this is one of my ex-girlfriend's books that she had. And I like, looked at the cover and I'm like, Matt Wagner, I know him. He like did Mage and Grindel. Why did I never hear about this? So I, I picked it up and I read the whole thing in like one sitting. And like among the things that really struck me was first of all, the art deco kind of artwork. It doesn't say it takes place in like the thirties or forties, but it really looks like it does. <laughs> and that was automatically kind of a cool thing that I liked. And again, like, you know, like, like you said, you know, there's been stories where, Batman comes off as super cool or Superman comes off as super cool. And, you know, Wonder Woman sometimes gets left to the, like, you know, the wolves sometimes, but every single character in this has great moments. You know, Wonder Woman looks really like, you know, like a badass. Batman looks really smart. Superman looks like, you know, this godlike person who has compassion for the entire planet. They, they, like Matt Wagner, like, you know, he played to the strengths of all these characters to where they all come off looking like champs. And there's even points where Batman looks a little doofy, you know, like there's that scene where he meets up with like Wonder Woman, you know, he like sees her like, you know, in the in the Amazon grotto and she's just she's like just takes it out like, you know, like, what the hell are you doing here? And it's stuff like that that, that is enjoyable and funny because, you know, as overpowered as Batman is, as far as like fan aura, it was nice to see a writer treat him with respect but not make him godlike, you know, like Batman prep time, which I appreciate. You know, I'm a Batman fan. I do sometimes like Batman prep time, but, you know, as a whole, I like a good character. I, I guess it's, Bruce it's, have, it's interesting yeah. in that in that story. It seems like he does have certain elements of prep time, but it's like prep time just to keep up with everybody else, you know, like kind of like. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, I, I guess it's like that criticism that people who would level against the Justice League movie going like, why is a normal dude? hanging with the justice league. But then when, when you see it, it's kind of like that fun thing of like, you know, Bruce doesn't like me to fly him around. So he's got this like glider harness and everything. And then by the end of it, it's kind of like, you know, they're on this little like piece of shit rock that's off a Themyscira, you know, and, and the idea like, Oh, well obviously his glider's gone. So Superman's going to have to fly him home. Right. But then it's like two seconds later, it's like sub unmerge, you know, and it's just, kinda like, <laughs> oh. say it you know, and it's like, Oh, yeah. and it's like, it's like, and, but, but the thing I like about it is at the same time, you see the dialogue with Superman going like, I didn't hear the sub following us the whole ride here. 
You know what I mean? So it's not <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's not it's not as if like Superman's a dunderhead about it and goes, where'd that sub come from? You know, like whatever. But it's just it's just they both they both sort of get to be cool, you know, like so it's like oh, Yeah, okay. he's like that's just Bruce yeah. being Bruce. And and again with the, the whole uh, uh title of Trinity, this is actually a Trinity I never saw coming. I understood that it was gonna be Wonder Woman, Batman and Superman, but Artemis and Bizarro and Rachel Ghoul, it's kind of a fucking cool team up. That's like a out of left field thing, you know, you would think like, oh, Superman, they're going to do like Lex, you know, Batman, they're going to be, dude, they're going to do the Joker, you know, like Wonder Woman, they're going to do Ares. But no, they take like, not second tier villains, because like, Rache is a big villain, and Bizarro is a big villain. And, you know, in later comics, Artemis becomes like a pretty good rival for Super, uh, for Wonder Woman. So I was like, when I saw that, I was like, huh. That actually makes a lot of fucking sense, you know? Good on you, Matt Wagner. You didn't, like, go for the easy out, you know? Because, really, how would have, like, Joker, Luthor, and Ares work together? Right, right, yeah. I was going to ask Justin. I don't know. Have, have you read this, Justin? Yeah. Okay. I was just curious, because I know, I know a lot of Wonder Woman fans are kind of like... I, I don't know. I, I, I've read some things where people are like, continuity alert, this is not in fucking continuity, and they're all like grumpy and shit because you know they obviously they're they're probably wonder woman you know fans centric or whatever you know specific and like to to a lot of them i i think you know stuff like artemis just doesn't compute which i i can totally understand but i was curious like what your what your take on it was well like when it when it was real revealed that character was artemis i was like wait a minute that it doesn't like make sense with what i know of the and remember of the character like because in this, it's like she she wears something that's similar to what uh, Diana wore when Artemis was serving as Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. But, but she has like this weird like pink hair did up like she's a punk or something, and I'm like, okay, well, why why does she look like that? I guess it's just like to throw you off for the reveal, like oh, it's Artemis, and you're like, oh, what? Like yeah, that, yeah. It I, doesn't gel. But like, or as far as the book goes, like I thought it was okay, but like the way Wonder Woman was treated, like, I, I didn't really care for that because she gets, like, the crap beat out of her by Bizarro. And I'm like, well, come on. She can go toe-to-toe with Superman and she's going to get beat by Bizarro. Like, I didn't like that. And then it's like, oh, she's, like, tied up in all these chains. Right, right. And she gets out of that. And then it's like, oh, she's so beat up that she has to go into the Lazarus pit to, like, or she's going to die. I was like, come on. Like, I don't... I, I feel like she's treated the way Superman is treated by some of those Tim stories. I was yeah. like, come on, yeah. man. Like, I, I don't quite, I didn't quite like that. But like, as far as like the idea of the story, like Ra's al Ghul, like pretending to be friends with Bizarro and like having this big scheme. And like, I, I, I do. I got to I like that. I got to admit the whole racer cool thing cracked me up. <laughs> that made me laugh too. <laughs> yeah. I think like you, like I saw this in a comic book store, and I I had sticker shock. I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, yeah. But but unlike you, I think I just burn stole it instead uh, okay. of like betting on the okay. cover. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember because I I think when Tony mentioned this, I in in the back of my head I was like, "Yeah, this is just a one shot. Like this will be easy." And then I was like sitting there going, "Wait a minute, this is like three issues." And like I I think I sort of forgot that it was 
you know, a mini series before it became that collected hardcover. Cause I think I was under the impression it was like, you know, a shorter story than it actually was. But, you know, I mean, I, I still, I still enjoy the series. Like I totally get what, what you're saying and what Wonder Woman fans are saying. That's kind of why I asked. And then, and then the other thing too, is, I mean, if you really, yeah, even just beyond the whole like why does Artemis look the way she does like technically if you want to if you want to get into like the nitty-gritty about continuity like she shouldn't be there this isn't really strictly speaking the first time Superman and Wonder Woman have ever met you know like things like that so you sort of you sort of just have to like take it on its own merits in in some ways you know and I think I, I think maybe it's easy to do if you don't know too much about the the other kind of stuff you know like like if you're I, I i would say if you're like a batman fan it's probably catered most to a batman fan because it doesn't seem like there's anything really obnoxiously out of place with batman i mean batman's batman he's fought rachel ghoul if you're familiar with the denny o'neill neil adams stuff it's kind of like they hint at talia but she's not really around in this story and then other than that it seems to sort of make sense but you know you, you could sort of question bizarro a little bit and the the you know yeah. how 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 wonder woman and superman met but i mean as far as like the look that tony was talking about i mean it does kind of bring to mind i mean and this wouldn't happen till another couple of years later but I mean, it does seem to have that vibe of the whole new frontier, you know, kind of, you know, like, I, I don't know that I'd agree that it, it, it feels like it's set in the 30s and 40s, but, you know, I mean, it feels like they tried to set it in modern day DC continuity, you know, or at least somewhere close to there, you know, given the, the story structure and the plot points and everything. But I mean, as far as like the aesthetic looks and everything, I mean, I do enjoy the art and everything. And I, I think everybody looks pretty cool. So, I mean, that, that part of it, I liked, we, we haven't heard too much from Mike on, on this. Did you, did you enjoy this? Did you, did you have a good time reading it? Like what were your take or thoughts on it? Yeah, no, I, I liked reading it, and I definitely, like, I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of The New Frontier. Like, uh, like that definitely occurred to me. And I also agree with Justin that I was like, man, Wonder Woman got her ass kicked in this. And, like, I, I don't know, yeah, she, like, I don't know, she didn't, it wasn't a strong showing for her, basically. And, uh, but no, like, I, I kind of, yeah, enjoyed, like, Superman and Batman's, like, relationship, and I like how Superman's always kind of apologizing to Wonder Woman for Batman. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's, yeah. like, he's, he's just <laughs> like that, like, you know, he's, like, he's really a nice guy, like, once <laughs> you get to know him, like, yeah, so... But you know, I, I like that the, the the racer cool thing cracked me up too. I was like, what? <laughs> well, it, it was like when I read it, I was like, what the hell is he talking about? And then like, and then I was like, I said it out loud, and I was like, oh, I get it. He's, he, he's trying to say Rachel Ghoul, but he's like, racer cool, am friend, am nice. Like yeah, the, the, the arrow, you you were gonna get all shitty about race I, and Raz al Ghul, fucking race are cool. I I think part of the reason why this story endeared me so much to it was because strictly speaking, in terms of Superman continuity at the time, this was not the Bizarro that was really 
you know, like it, it was almost like they tried to just kind of, sl- you know, like like that scene where he's like, "In Bizarro, you will be my number one guy," and he puts like the little number one, you know, necklace on him and everything. It's almost like, you know, it's like Matt Wagner kind of wanted to use the classic Silver Age Bizarro, and he just kind of found a way to shoehorn that aesthetic into the story. And I don't know why, but that just yeah. tickled me. Where it's like, you know, it, it's almost like Peter David, you know, in that one Deadpool story, going, "Ah, fuck it, I want." use the the real loki i don't want to use this girl and this little kid i want to use like the real one you know circa silver surfer you know number number four or whatever you know whatever you said you know and it's just like one of those things where yeah because like, at like, this point was it like was it bizarre like kind of like a mindless zombie killing machine at this point or something like that i i'm, I'm not really sure like i i, I can't remember the exact it, it's just like the way bizarro was set up they they used the luthor made a clone of him kind of story from Man of Steel. And then after that, it was like this weird thing where it wasn't, it was like some alternate reality thing, you know, to try and explain how he was there. But, but in this, they just sort of like shoehorned, you know, like, like, okay, fine. There's another clone and, you know, Rachel Ghoul is going to, you know, sort of, you know, spruce him up so he looks kind of like the Silver Age version. And then after that, it was just like, okay, go have fun, you know. And and like I I did kind of appreciate yeah. that. I know I know that some of that fun probably came at the expense of Wonder Woman. So I apologize to uh, to all her fans who who saw her as refrigerated because I, I guess I could totally see that, you know, because she she gets the crap kicked out of her and then Rachel Ghoul's like, and I will rape you later, <laughs> you know, or whatever, and and runs yeah, away, I mean... chained up, you know, so. I, I think in defense of how Wonder Woman was portrayed, I, I think, like, see, this is just my perspective, so I could be wrong. I think it was shown that she got beat up a lot and, like, she was, like, you know, you know, treated horribly just because she was new to the game. But she never broke. I mean, she never was, like, you know, like, yes, you win, race or, oh, Bizarro beat me, so you are the better man. In that kind of weird misogynistic shit. She was, like, you know, I will kick your ass. Just give me a minute. You know, I'm I'm learning the fucking ropes here. And I think this was like, again, like you said, a callback. You know, this was like not the warrior woman, Wonder Woman we have gotten to know. This was like, you know, Diana going out into the world for the first time and being like, okay, shit sucks. Okay, I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to take stock and I'm going to beat the fuck out of you later. So, I mean, I'll give it that. I mean, yes, Wonder Woman does get nerfed a couple of times. I... I I can see where all three of you guys are coming from. I'm not going to sit here and say that Wonder Woman does not get her ass kicked a whole bunch in the series. But I think it was kind of like, almost kind of like, you know, her, not her origin story, but like her, her you know, Wonder Woman year one, as far as Trinity yeah, goes. But I, like, I, I think that's why, I, I see your point, and I think it's valid, especially because a lot of people are like, this whole graphic novel you know miniseries whatever is kind of to them out of continuity so so you could conceivably say all right yeah wonder woman's a noob at this point in the game but but again even if that's the case like batman and superman are slightly less newbie probably a lot less newbie than wonder woman is in this and at that point i i think it's unfortunate that they're not all at a level plane like if they were all like super newbie 
you know, and, and stuff like that, you know, that, yeah. then maybe you could see, okay, well, look, Superman's new at the game and he's flummoxing and, 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 you know, Wonder Woman's new at the game and she's flummoxing and, and, you know, that kind of thing. But it's like, if, if, if one of them is, but the other two are just kind of like, all right, we're cool. You know, then it's like you, you feel a little, cause it's like what, you know, I, I see what people, I mean, I see what they get at. Like, I hate, I, I hate like when people do this, but I mean, I could see if this, if this book came out today, you'd see all these people on the internet, all these, you know, feminists or whatever would, would have Batman and Superman bloody beaten and wrapped up in chains, just like <laughs> Wonder Woman was beat and beat the fuck out of by Artemis or whoever the fuck was the female, you know, villain in, in the piece, you know what I mean? And it's like, I, I hate yeah. that, but I mean, I can understand that that gut reaction to it too. I mean, I, I mean, I can, I can see that as being, you know, I can see why somebody would have that knee jerk reaction to it as well, you know? And, and, and I think you're, you're being a little more rational about it. You're just saying, Hey, look, you know, like, you know, Wonder Woman's just starting out in this story and you sort of have to take it as its own thing. And I'm kind of like, you know, what you say makes sense to me too. You know, like I get it. I mean, they, they definitely play it like, Oh, uh, welcome to man's world. Like, here's my, you know, my invisible plane who nobody's ever seen before. I mean, strictly speaking, if this was in quote unquote continuity, you know, like Wonder Woman didn't have the invisible plane post crisis, not not at that early time frame anyway. So, I mean, you sort of have yeah. to take this as its own its own little like sliver of the universe and not, not, you know, put yeah, so like much Earth pressure 27 on or some shit. Yeah. 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 You, you <laughs> not put so much pressure on, on, uh, you know, the icons of the DC universe or whatever. But, you know, I mean, for me, it's like, I, I, I can see both, I can see both points of view. And, and, and I think, I, I think unfortunately, like, yeah, I'm a man, I'm, I'm probably a little misogynistic. So I'm, I'm slightly willing to let, uh, you know, I guess I'm willing to let that slide just a little bit. Unfortunately, that's sort of the nature of, of comics in, in, at least at that point in time, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe these days everybody would draw a bunch of pictures of, uh, the Avengers with their butts pointed out or something in protest. But, you know, today, you know, it's different from it was when it was uh, even even back then in 2003. So. I mean, I think the strongest thing you say about it is I understand as a Wonder Woman fan how you would be probably annoyed and perturbed. I can understand that and totally. And but I, I also posit this side thing. As I said, the reason I read this is because my ex-girlfriend had this book in her library. So apparently she enjoyed it and didn't have a problem with it. And obviously as a woman, I would assume that she would be annoyed if Wonder Woman was like seen as treated horribly. So, I mean, there is that. So, yeah. Know. Yeah. All right. Uh, any, any final words on uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Trinity? Uh, good book. You should, you should totally check it out. It's fun. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right, so I think what we'll do is we will take a, a little commercial break here, and then when we come back, we're going to be discussing some Batman Superman stories. Don't run away from the new 52, so, so stay tuned. All right, peace out. Why do you think superheroes are so important? People need heroes because they need somebody to inspire them, something to aim for, somebody to try to be like. tomorrow with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men 
the other, the caped crusader, carrying out a solemn vow to spend his life warring on all criminals. For seven decades, they've been the world's finest heroes. They've teamed on radio, comics, newspapers, animation, and more. And now, they're teaming up for a podcast. To the Batmobile, let's go. Up, up, and away! Atomic batteries to turbines to speed. Superman and Batman celebrates more than 70 years of the world's finest team with randomly chosen stories featuring the Man of Steel and the Dark Knight. Superman and Batman, featuring your two favorite heroes in one podcast together. Find it today at greatcrypton.com. All right, welcome back, guys. So, like we promised, we are going to be discussing some Batman Superman team ups from the new 52. I just wanted to pick out some that I I thought were at least interesting to talk about and and one that I actually genuinely liked and uh all basically I I actually did the did the professional podcaster thing and and wrote out my own synopsis of of the uh stories and everything. But the, these were stories I kind of wanted the fan holes to look at and I was kind of curious what they thought. Um, I did really like the Batman Superman annual, and I was just curious to get Fanhole's reactions on the uh, Batman Superman arc, which we're going to be talking about, which basically runs from issues 21 to 27. But I'll I'll go ahead and give the uh, synopsis of the Batman Superman New 52 annual one, uh, and then we'll, we'll discuss it. So the story is titled Arena. Its on sale date was January 29th. 2014. The writer is Greg Pak. Artists are Jay Lee, Kenneth Rocafort, and Philip Tan. Act 1. Mongol is imprisoned by Superman in the Phantom Zone, living out his greatest fantasy of ruling the Earth while killing both Superman and Batman. Meanwhile, Warworld arrives in the orbit of Earth, and Superman races up at super speed to meet the current representative, Jochi, the son of Mongol. After surviving an attack blast from a cannon that could crack a continent in two, Jochi surmises that Superman must be the man who defeated his father. While he doesn't intend to rescue Mongol, he wants members of the Superman and Batman families to fight on Warworld to retain his own family's honor. Batman had been spying on the communication device Superman thought was turned off, and Batman mentions that Superman could easily destroy Warworld, but Clark retorts that he won't be responsible for the collateral damage that would result. It is decided that they will agree to Jochi's terms and select members of their respective quote-unquote clans for combat to sabotage Warworld from within. Superman picks Supergirl and Steel, while Batman goes with the Red Hood. Batgirl and Crypto end up inviting themselves to the party. Act 2. The Super Bat families arrive on Warworld and are provided translators. Superman asks to meet with Jochi, and their guide brings them to a succession tournament for the leadership of Warworld that Jochi is currently participating in. Since Jochi is the only council member that doesn't intend to obliterate the Earth outright, the Red Hood helps defeat his opponent, and Batman claims him as a member of the Bat Clan. 
While Superman, Crypto, and Supergirl represent the Superman clan, Batgirl and Steel are secretly attempting to take down Warworld from the inside. The Bat clan and Superman clan do not kill in the first rounds, to which Jochi comments is stupid, and that the rules will be more strict in the coming final round. The Bat clan and Superman clan will need to fight to the death. Act 3. Ultimately, the fight between the Bat-Clan and the Superman-Clan is a ruse, so Batgirl and Steel can stop Warworld from being able to destroy the Earth, but they legitimately need to fight and draw out the fight as much as possible so they can give Barbara and John Henry all the time they need to crack the alien security protocols. Batman uses kryptonite to weaken Superman. Crypto takes a chunk out of Jochi's neck. Red Hood and Supergirl sword fight. Superman kicks Batman in the face and tells him not to hold back. It appears Supergirl and Batman are both hesitating on delivering the killing blows to their opponents, and the primary council judge wants Earth destroyed. Jochi assassinates the council judge before his command is carried out and attempts to claim leadership and unite all the Warworld clans Flash Gordon style. The clans aren't buying what Jochi is selling, but by then Batgirl and Steel have instituted a global shutdown of Warworld. Superman destroys the cannon aimed at the Earth and provides Batman and the others an exit strategy. Batman tries to save Jochi from the madness that is Warworld, holding onto him with a bat line. Jochi refuses, cuts the line, and falls back to the pit of clans they leave behind. Instead of throwing Warworld into the sun, Smallville style, Superman facilitates its entry into the Earth's atmosphere by throwing it into the Phantom Zone. Jochi's fate has Batman reflecting on Damian Wayne's demise and Superman on Connell's demise. Epilogue. The epilogue ends with Jochi victorious over all the Warworld clan leaders in the Phantom Zone, but then Mongol himself slays his own son. And that is my quick, or I hope it was quick, summary of Batman Superman Annual <laughs> 1. So I, I, I'm going to throw it over to you guys because I've been talking for the last couple of minutes. What, what did you, I mean, I did enjoy this. Like, I, I have to say that this to me is like, uh new avengers annual one like it's like one of the few issues of this run that i enjoyed so that's why i sort of highlighted it and 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 then i'll sort of let you guys take it away like i'm kind of curious what you guys thought of it no i i liked it i, I hadn't read this before and uh I, I like that batman picks jason todd instead of you know like nightwing or anybody because like i've always been interested in the character since he's he was uh, resurrected, so I was like, oh, it's nice that he picked Jason Todd, and they have some banter, you know, like, Jason's like, hey, at least I'm not killing these guys anymore, you know, like, I, I can change, and uh, when Jason's fighting Supergirl, like, they have some, like, snappy dialogue, and I was like, are they flirting, like, and, that, and then in my head, like, <laughs> I was like, that's really yeah. weird to think about, I was like, that that's kind of a weird thing, but, like, I, I really liked it, I liked the artwork, um, we talked about this before the show, but, like, Man, like, when did Crypto turn into Ghost from Game of Thrones? Like, he, he, <laughs> See, and, and that's, that's sort of what I was, was telling you guys. Like, as far as I know, one, you, I guess you can blame Young Justice because, you know, the giant 
crypto was in Young Justice as well. And then the the other thing is, I, I think it's basically been that way since the beginning of the New 52. So, like, it was in Morrison's Action Comics that crypto was a big, humongous beast. And then since after that point, uh, he's always been in that Superboy comic until he he dies in like I think issue twenty five or something like that. So I, I this is this is all post that kind of basically it's post the Batman Incorporated stuff when when Damien gets killed and it's post um it, it's a story what the hell was it called Hang on I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget uh, It's a story called Krypton Returns So it's like the second time Hell shows up in the Superman titles and uh, it, it of course crosses over you know all through like superman supergirl and superboy and then back to superman again and so yeah superboy basically sort of like sacrifices his life uh basically you know it's like when it, it's kind of like they go back in time but but make like another like hell tries to make like another you know living version of krypton that doesn't get blown up or whatever and you know in the explosion or whatever it's like you know that's when that Connell version of Superboy dies or whatever. So that's that's who they're both sort of lamenting at the end of the story and everything. So so is this the one that was the clone or the wacky one from the future? That this is the one that's the clone because after okay. the clone dies, then the the wacky one from the future shows up and everybody thinks he's the same guy, but he's he's pretending to be the quote unquote original. But he's playing a Connell. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the the clone is Connell, and then the 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 wacky guy from the future is like John Kent or something like that. I I think that's what his name is. So that was a pun, Derek. Come on, he saw. I know, I know, I know. I'm just trying to be all get my nerd ducks in a row so nobody yells at me. Yeah, I I was kind of worried about why Wendigo was attacking like Superman too. I was like, what the fuck is that thing? (laughs) Wendigo. I, I thought it was fun. One of my little notes I, I made as I was reading it, I was like, all right, so this is like the ninth Robin that Batman has killed because uh, Jochi is like, you know, I like you, Bruce, you know, or I like you, Batman. He's like, you show me a new way to like fight and stuff. And then he gets killed. But the art is really nice. And I, I do like the interplay between all the characters and stuff. And you know what's really good about this? Because it's New 52. The third member of the Batman family is not goddamn Batwing. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I was just about to say um, that, you know, we, we can have a, a Jochi case in the Batcave now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the woe, sure, the woe is Jochi case instead of a Jason Todd case or whatever. No, I I mean, I, I like... You know, I, I like Jay Lee, and and that art was pretty cool. I really, really, really do like Kenneth Roquefort. Like, I got his autograph once. I I like his stuff on Red Hood and the Outlaws. I liked when they had him take over Superman. So like, I I do enjoy his art style a great deal. So that that part of it, I really, really did enjoy as far as like art styles go. Yeah, there was a lot of good interplay between uh, Batman and Bruce too, because Batman and Bruce, Batman and uh, Clark, because. Like, I guess in New 52, Clark thinks that, like, Batman thinks he's an idiot. You know, it's like, he even says, and this was actually a really good thing because I'm used to Clark being the Boy Scout. And he, like, flat out says, I'm not a Boy Scout. I'm a, I'm a protector. This is what I do. And Bruce is like, I know you're smart. And, like, it's like separate thought bubbles. You know, they're, they're thinking to themselves. And Bruce is like, I know you're smart. 
but I'm worried if you get too smart and you become evil, which is like he's not doubting Clark. He's just he's worried, but in the right way. He's not like, you know, like this alien. I don't trust him. He's just like, you know, I I like you, Clark. Don't don't be a bad guy. You felt like it was genuine concern instead of like bat paranoia or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What what about you, Mike? Like, what was your what was your take on on uh, Arena? I I pretty much echo all you guys like what you've said. Like I I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed yeah. Like you know them calling in their you know their buddies basically or or their families in whatever case and Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, you know. <laughs> and on behalf of the citizens of Los Angeles, I would like to apologize. Y'all be cool now. Yeah, blow it up, blow it up, blow it up. Dude, I'll I'll, I'll have you know Shaquille O'Neal instituted global shutdown of War World. Thank you very much. (laughs) But he can't make a free throw. (laughs) (laughs) Don't brick it, Shaquille. Don't brick it. No, I I, I enjoyed it. Did you like okay. Batgirl being in it? Like actually having Batgirl instead of like you know whoever else they could have had. Yeah, I mean it's okay. I mean uh, I don't know. Like part of, like I since I don't really read like DC comics all that often, part of me like still resists the new Fifty Two. So it's kind of like odd to me. And uh, like also like <laughs> some, I think I brought this up on another show where I'm kind of like, it's odd to see Bruce like trust jason again basically where he's like well you know i guess you're one of my guys but you know we don't agree on a lot and i know you're a murderer but i I don't know how much of that was like whitewashed over because of like the new 52 or whatever but i mean normally they 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 seem to say that batman was the least affected so i doubt any of it was washed over but i i mean i could be wrong i mean there there's there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in terms of like batman's history isn't washed over but then jason todd essentially has a brand new history when you read like the zero issue that shows his origin do you know what i mean so it's like it's like that weird thing it's like oh batman's history is untouched but catwoman doesn't know who he is and you're like well how does that work then you know like yeah you're just kind of like whoa you know so yeah i just i just the outsiders forever yeah yeah and I'm I'm just kind of like, well, I guess you, your no murder stance like kind of like fluctuates, I guess, if you're you're willing to let you know Jason do what he does, whatever. Yeah, yeah there, there's that. And he even he even kind of says like, you know, it's good to have like a guy who will do things that you can't do in your team or whatever. So yeah, it's it's a little bit of that whole we need Wolverine on the Avengers because he kills people thing. Uh, I yeah. think I think that I, I, I was going to ask you, Derek. Uh, when did Jason Todd get the energy blades? Uh, pretty much in Red Hood and the Outlaws. I mean, like, I mean, they they were always, doing, uh, okay. you know, it's like because Starfire's there, like they were always doing stuff in outer space and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I, I you know, to me, it's like that's all part of his, you know, wackadoo training. You know, after he died and 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 you know always hanging out on spaceships and doing crazy space stuff, you know, that's, you know. 
Okay. I did like you said, like you said, Derek. Though, like I did, I did, I like as an as an annual. Like I thought it told a good, like done in one, like you know, an epic like story, basically. Yeah, yeah. It had it had a good punchline, like at the end when like you know Mongol is still in the Phantom Zone and he just like kills his son and he's like you know, like I'm glad you learned a lesson, yeah, but it was the wrong lesson, so die. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I wanted to throw to Justin real quick because I know this issue features something he wanted to throw the elephant in the room on. What was that about, Justin? The other thing besides uh, Timber the Wolf or, or, you know, Ghost the Wolf? I, I think he, yeah, I think he, Justin, he's he's asking because when when Superman runs to get Supergirl, a, a certain superhero asks why she can't come along for the battle. And I think you were going to ask me something about that superhero. Oh, Wonder Woman. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like, so in the new, uh, I totally forgot about that. Um, So in the new 52, like, Superman and Wonder Woman are an item. Like, they are officially a couple. And they even have their own, (laughs) they even have their own title. But, like, I wanted to know, Derek, but, like, since, since you're such a big Superman fan, like, what do you think about this new relationship like are you happy they're together like do you miss the superman lois dynamic like what do you think lois is a evil bitchy cunt in this like (laughs) continuity so do i miss it like as far as this continuity no like i mean i mean i i can understand fans that are like butthurt that like you know they used to be married and they miss that lois but like even if even if he wasn't with wonder woman like I wouldn't want him to be with the new 52 Lois, if that makes any sense. Like, like, and th- the only thing that was like slightly annoying about that relationship was it started in justice league. And like, it seemed like in the, it was like until, until the ongoing Superman books got on board with the romance, it was confusing to me because it's like, he was dating like Lucy lane and he was dating like, you know, it was like they had him date a bunch of other people and then it went absolutely nowhere. Like, it, it's not like they had an issue where him and Lucy were like, look, this isn't working out. Like, uh, you know, we, we better, like, not see each other anymore. But let's let's part as friends and call each other every Tuesday or whatever. Like, or or maybe, you know, they, him and Lucy Lane had some horrible breakup. It was just we did a six issue arc. We went bungee jumping and then we will never speak of this <laughs> ever again. And it's just kind of like, what? You know, and it's like, I as far as like the the superman wonder woman relationship i think once they started acknowledging it in the actual superman comics I, it didn't bug me as much because i was like okay well at least it's like you know i i think there were issues where like lois you know kind of noted like they were they were staying at the same apartment and all this other kind of stuff and you know there there were the things where like he would go on missions with her and like confront all the the greek gods and stuff like that so it's like i you know i mean to me it was kind of fun i i think like there was that post-crisis stuff where they flirted with the idea of them having a relationship but then it turned into this like diffusion of you know this is going to totally like be random and it probably won't mean anything to you guys but you guys know I love Tiffany Amber Thiessen, right? Like, like on, on Saved by yeah. the Bell, like that. I love Kelly Kapowski. And then she played like this chick, Valerie Malone, on 90210. When she went over there, I was just like, 
oh my god this is the greatest thing ever like it was like my favorite fucking show because i was like valerie malone's hot like she's awesome and the whole time she was replacing shannon doherty so in some ways she was supposed to be the quote-unquote new sister of brandon walsh of jason Priestley, but she was totally hot and they weren't related. And she was like smoking pot, like right next door in his room and being hot. And I'm just like, dude, Brandon Walsh, why do you not hit that? Like you should totally hit that. Brandon. <laughs> and the whole season, you know, Dylan's hitting it. And I'm just like, Brandon Walsh, you so need to hit this. You so need to hit this. And at the end of that first season, Brandon Walsh, they start making out. They're going to they're going to go in the room there. I'm like, Brandon's going to fucking hit it, man. This is going to be awesome. And then like the next season, the next season, basically, it's like three months later and they reveal like they just started giggling. They couldn't actually go through with it because they felt too much like brothers and sisters. And I was so like, what? what like are you kidding me and that's kind of how i felt about like the whole like post-crisis like makeout session like where i was kind of excited about it and then they just kind of fizzled out and said no th this kissing feels weird like we're like we're like we should be friends and i'm kind of like what wait 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 what like what like because they set it up like where john byrne was having like superman have like these steamy ass dreams about wonder woman and then like george perez <laughs> was doing stuff where she was like you know salivating and getting all wet in her dreams about superman and i'm kind of like <laughs> they had months of this like build up and then they finally make out and then they're like oh yeah let's just be friends so to me like I, I sort of, I mean, I know I'm like probably the odd man out. I know a lot of people don't like the. the I apologize. My panties are moist. I, I know a lot of people <laughs> don't like. I was just going to say Superman's like, oh, you taste like clay. <laughs> <laughs> not not in the new universe. He, she tastes like Zeus, man. Zeus clutch or something. But anyway. <laughs> tastes like beer. <laughs> um. But but all I was going to say was that that I felt like that that was such a, a, a blue balls moment, you know, like originally. So, so so to me, this is just like an extension of what that could have been, you know, almost like a, if they made like a Superman forever title, like, you know, those those X-Men forever titles at Marvel, you know, like, oh, this is what might have happened if it kept going from this point. And that's that's kind of how I view it, I guess. I, I, I and, and, and I know I'm not really like the majority of fandom. It seems to me like the majority of fandom don't really get that relationship or don't like it or whatever. But like, I think, you know, I mean, honestly, it's funny. Cause it, like, you know, I don't know if this is spoilers for everybody, but I'm kind of reading these books as they come out. And, you know, sometimes I binge read them in chunks and everything, but I did make sure I was caught up before we did this in case anything like that came up. But I mean, they're really not together anymore now. Like they, they sort of broke up, but, but, I mean, but for the, the run that they had, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I was never vehemently opposed to to them having a relationship. I, I, I think, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. If if it helps, Eric, I live in the South. So if Tiffany Ebertheson was my sister and she started to make out with me, I could totally do her and it'd be okay in the South. <laughs> no one would bat an eye. They'd be like, you guys are a good couple. 
You ass web footed babies, go on and do your thing. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! All right, transition. So, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, another thing that is not nearly as horrible as what Tony just said. And um, well, maybe it is. I don't know. It does have Bat Bunny Batman in it. Um, but yeah, the, the other the other thing that and and this is not necessarily like one of my favorite Batman Superman stories ever. But I thought it'd be interesting to look at essentially one of the most modern, recent, up to date stories featuring Batman and Superman as they are now or or as they are now pre-rebirth or whatever you want to call it right so this is batman superman and it's kind of a long arc but i i would imagine they'd collect most of these in a trade so that's kind of why i i picked all of them but it's issues 21 to 27 uh it was you know it, it basically ran from june 2015 to about december of 2015 this year and um so but basically uh this is written by greg pack um, the, the main artist is Adrian Saif. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. And then there were also, uh, issues done by Yildere Sinar, Howard Porter, and Cliff Richards. Um, I did write synopses for the, uh, issues that we're going to talk about. And I guess I'll try to go through them as quickly as possible. And then, and then we can discuss, I guess, reactions to, uh, to the story. So issue 21, A depowered Superman fights human supremacists to get through to see Lex Luthor, who just can't believe the current status quo. He tells Superman the energy weapons the men he was fighting produce a unique signature that he has traced back to Gotham City. This brings Superman into conflict with Bat Bunny, a.k.a. Jim Gordon. Superman leaves Luthor and Bat Bunny Gordon behind, taking the prototype weapon from Wayne Tech with him. He finds an empty Bat Cave under Wayne Manor, now renamed Arkham Manor, and a grieving Alfred the Butler. There's a status quo phone call to Lois Lane to get people who aren't reading the current Superman books up to speed, and then Superman leaves the Bat Cave on a red painted Bat Cycle to confront the new Batman, aka Bat Bunny, aka Jim Gordon. The next issue is from Gordon's perspective, and he sees the powerless Superman as a clown who stole evidence from a crime scene and just came to Gotham looking for a scrap. Superman points out that the spearhead weapon absorbs energy and proposes that the two team up. Although neither party seems to like the other much, based on recent events, they reluctantly begin to work together. Lucius Fox reveals that the group known as Dawn Command is are the bad guys and that they are after a Wayne Tech project that is described as a miniature sun. Uker, beast lord of Subterranea arrives with his monster pets to take the device for himself. Although Superman is trounced by Uker, Bat Bunny Gordon uses Sonics to drive away his beasts. Superman disarms Uker and just when he is about to get him to settle down and talk, Bat Bunny Gordon stabs him in the back. For this, Uker swears vengeance, and Superman heads underground to stop the war Gordon may have just sparked with his attack. Next issue, Superman knows Uker just wanted the Wayne Tech artificial sun as a power source to replace the one Subterranea lost in his previous adventures. Superman disguises himself as a Subterranean and saves some Gotham inmates who now work for Uker. 
Gordon tries to get the 411 on Clark Kent from Perry White, who is pretty pissy about the whole current state of events, and Lois Lane, who don't exactly fill him with confidence. Superman's disguise was taken from a deserter of Dawn Command, so now he is being whipped and tortured in his place. Superman tries to get word to Gordon about Uker's next attack. Superman has his doubts about the ill intent of the Gotham citizens who have taken up with Uker, but Gordon thinks they all need to be stopped no matter what. Just then, Arthur, Colin Bunn Aquaman, King of Atlantis, is revealed to be an ally of Uker, Beast Lord of Subterranea, ready to join them in their attack. Then Lucius Fox's artificial son has been transported to an oil rig in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Colin Bunn Aquaman leads Uker's forces there when Superman discloses his undercover identity to the King of Seven Seas after a punch from him knocks Superman's disguise helmet straight off. Aquaman is still intent on getting the Micro Sun out of his ocean and fights Superman. Aquaman advises Kent to take the fall, and Bat Bunny Gordon agrees with him. Bat Bunny can handle this noise. Bat Bunny lobs missiles at Uker, but that is to no avail, and then goes to grab the Micro Sun. Superman saves Uker before the unstable Micro Sun explodes. Gordon's plan is to rocket the Micro Sun high enough so that no one will be hurt when it blows. Superman also hitches a ride, thinking his cells may absorb the blast and possibly return some of his powers. However, Don Command double crosses Uker. They somehow steal the Micro sun and only the rocket explodes leaving uker on the what train lucas offers to help subterranea with their energy crisis and aquaman actually gets uker to listen bat bunny wants superman out of gotham city pronto there's a double epilogue with bruce wayne and john clark aka superman catching up that probably doesn't mean a whole lot to people unless you aren't reading the current batman proper book and one with Wrath and Vandal Savage, who masterminded the stealing of the Micro Sun. Then we have another uh, sort of three issues here. Um, although Gordon told Superman to get out of Gotham City, he's not convinced he'll get out of Dodge. He's right, and Superman flies overhead now using a Wayne Tech glider. He's also got a Wayne Tech DBZ scouter and scans that and scans that some armored truck has subterraneans inside and punches them out. But then Clark's bat prep time plan goes awry when the bat copter coming to pick him up explodes, and he is summarily defeated by one Vandal Savage. Savage incinerates one of the subterraneans from the armored truck for failing to do the same to Superman, and tells the others to stop screwing things up. I guess he's like, William Shatner or something. There's a period after all of those. Savage <laughs> notices that Superman has escaped. Batgirl's the one who saves him and remembers him from the previous annual that we just discussed a few minutes ago with Mongol son Jochi. Batgirl uses her Google Foo to track down some abandoned nuclear missiles in Siberia that Savage is undercovering. Savage threatens the families of the men, the miners, who are forced to secure the missiles, and Superman vows to save everybody. Nobody dies today! Batgirl brings in the Red Hood and Grayson, super spy, to help. 
Superman and the Bat Kids come down to offer the Siberians help, but most are cautious as they have heard about Superman's drastic power laws. He may as well be on the Bruce Tim Justice League cartoon to these folks. Yet Superman's ability to inspire remains, and he convinces all parties to stand up against Savage's tyrannical hold over them. Superman lets one of the children repeatedly stab him with a metal fork, even though he lets the child still think of him as the invulnerable hero of days past, we later see him away from the camp, bleeding. Jason Todd thinks they should kill Savage and be done with it, while Batgirl and Grayson, super spy, disagree, but offer up pointless solutions like teleporting him to Hawaii. Shadow monsters then attack our team of heroes, and Superman calls in Bat Bunny, a.k.a. Jim Gordon, to the rescue. After the fight concludes, our heroes discover some sort of epic Nazi battleship under the Siberian ice that Vandal Savage is intending to use all the uranium gathered up so that he can power up this battleship for himself. It then turns out the Nazi battleship is just one giant gun. Both Gordon and Superman reflect on a previous encounter with the supremacists where the real Batman had to save Jimmy Olsen when Superman made a judgment call to prioritize the destruction of the supremacists' death machine to save millions. Even though both have their misgivings about the other in the present, Batgirl makes them shake hands and put those misgivings aside for the upcoming conflict with Vandal Savage. Superman and Bat Bunny Jim Gordon attack Savage on his ship, the Valkyrie, and Superman destroys Savage's navigation console and the teleportation drive. Hours later, the miners lure Savage into a false sense of security by acting like they beat up Grayson and the Red Hood. Even though the Nazi gun is at full power, Batgirl has directed the uranium to the engines, sending Savage rocketing off into the stratosphere. Savage rages, and the ship blows up. Everyone is hoping Savage is dead, but they think he probably teleported away. Crisis sort of averted, and Jim Gordon finally gives his name to Clark and shakes his hand. The end. So that's that's basically like almost seven issues worth of Batman Superman, but I, I, I thought it sort of does give a snapshot of kind of the... I mean, if if you thought you felt weird reading the Batman Superman annual we just read, I imagine if you guys haven't been reading Batman or Superman, you're kind of like, what the fuck is going on? But I'm I'm curious what your reactions are to to these issues if you've read them. I'm glad I'm drinking. Because <laughs> goddamn, that sounds confusing. Jesus, Bat Bunny Gordon. Well, that that's just my. I didn't read these. Yeah. That's just my interpretation of it. I mean, you know, Gordon is basically Batman. He's in a mech suit that is pretty reminiscent of Appleseed. So I always called Briarios a bunny dude. So I'm I'm going to call Gordon a bunny dude. And I think I'm sure somebody's called Gordon a bunny dude at some point. So we must think alike. So but that's that's just my own um, personal I... sort of, you know take on it but yeah I, I will say like having not read these issues um it was homework i didn't have enough time that's my fault i will take that on myself but um kind of glad i didn't read these issues now because 
Yeah, I'm, I, I wasn't like, really, damn. I wasn't trying to pimp them as like a shining example of like the greatest thing ever, but I, I was, oh, no, but was I, I was trying to provoke a reaction and seeing what you guys thought of them. Like I was just kind of, and I feel like they're, tr- they were, tr- they're both Gordon and like Superman currently. They're trying to like force fit them into roles they don't really fit into basically. So I don't know. Like I felt like both of their characters felt like off almost, even though, I know it's like a new direction and, you know, they're trying to do something different with the characters, but I just, I don't know. Like, it, it's, I, weird. I have... it's weird, too, because it's kind of like the best way I could explain this is the reason why this is more fascinating to me than the actual ongoing books. And I'm sure some people might say, well, if you read the Snyder Batman, you'd see like how great Gordon Bat Bunny is. And I have and I don't, but I can understand their point of view. Right. <laughs> And, and and the same thing with, like, the current Superman books. It's like, Superman's powerless. He's got bloody fists. And, you know, and, and he's got to fight extra hard because everybody wants a piece of him now that they know he's Clark Kent and everything like that. But I feel like this, it's weird. It's like, this is a Xerox of a Xerox, and they put two Xeroxes together and then sent out another Xerox. And it looks kind of overlapping and muddy, I guess, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I still have trouble seeing, like, I don't know, like, all of Batman's sidekicks is, like... Like, since Superman's kind of... Like, they kind of try and play Superman younger, like, after... Like, in the new 52, and, like, it, it seems like... It seems like they're more, like, contemporaries of him, rather than, like, he's someone they could look up to. And I don't know, that seems really odd to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably something that people think of as an inherent flaw with the bat family. Like, I mean, I, I think if I, I mean, if I had my dithers and they were really going to restart the DC universe, I would have just cut the umbilical cord and picked a single Robin and it probably would have been Damien. And I know that would have probably pissed off tons of people, but I, I think, I think they should have been more definitive about that. And they really weren't. And, and, and that's that's like a stickler for like... It's funny, though. I, I don't think people would like my solution. But, but I think they all think that having, you know, four Robins within six years' time is kind of a stretch. Which, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, can, I can see that. You know, I agree. And I love, like, we, we've mocked this before, but, like, I love how, like, yeah, Batgirl is, like, introducing everyone, and she's like, and this is, like, Grayson, like, he's a secret agent, and, like, Dick Grayson's like, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Grayson, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a super secret agent, like, everyone look at my face, and this is my name, and, like, uh, hi. Well, but, he's got, know. he's got that one line where it's like, shh. Don't tell anybody my name. I'm a super <laughs> yeah. secret spy. And it's just like, okay. Yeah. I'm not Dick Grayson. Yeah. I'm just Grayson. Because yeah. that'll work. If you tell somebody not to say something, they won't They won't say it. Like I'm sure there's not tons of people in Siberia who could get a big fat paycheck for exposing an American super spy or whatever, right? Yeah. I don't know, like, I, Bunny Gordon's design, I like, I don't like it, like, it looks dumb, like, like to be blunt about it, like, it, and, and not just because, like, I, 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 no, it's, it's, like, stylistically, like, like, awkward, I guess, it's, like, all these, like, round, like, angles, but then there's, like, weird, like, straight angles where there shouldn't be, and then, like, I, I don't know, like, his head is, like, a bubble with two bunny ears, and I, I don't know, it just it, doesn't it, it look looks, very... It looks like a guy who should get beat up instead of be a hero. 
it, it look I don't know, it just doesn't look very like appealing. I get like I, I guess you could draw it like like if you drew it nice it would, but it didn't in these issues at least. I'm just curious, Mike, have you seen any of the, the Greg Capullo art? Well, I've seen, yeah, I've seen Greg Capullo draw it, and I mean, it does look better, but I think, I don't know, the design itself is just kind of, I don't know. No, 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 I I understand. I was just curious if you you felt any different. Like I said, like, I think he's one of the people who could make that design work basically but i i don't think the artists in this like really 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 sold that did it justice yeah have you uh, justin have you been reading the ongoing batman yeah mostly (laughs) can i can i um since i i think it'll be lost on on tony and mike fucking gordon is like fighting el seed i'm like what the fuck (laughs) Anyway, sorry, I just have to say that because it's like that's all I that's that's all I could think of. Like, I know it's supposed to be like this big epic arc and like it's supposed to be all important and Gotham City's in peril and it's supposed to be really serious. And I'm like, come on, Snyder's got him fighting L fucking Seed. Come on, like this is ridiculous. (laughs) Whatever. Anyway, I don't get it, but that that's neither here nor there. I just wanted to say that. But um, what I mean, like. What about you, Justin? Like, like, had you read this arc before I asked you guys to look at it? Or is this the first time you've sort of come to it? This is the first time. And to be honest, like, I thought it was so bad I didn't even finish it. <laughs> okay. Well, at least, wow. that, at, least that, at least that provoked a reaction. But, yeah, like, I, I, I guess, yeah. that's So, that's... so, so Justin, are we Secret Brothers? Did I make a right choice by not reading this? I guess. Like, I, I quit when Vandal Savage showed up. I was like, hey, I'm done. Um, it's weird. You know, you know what, you know what that this reminds me of too, in a way, like there've been so many uh, disparate storylines in Superman where like, he's fighting this, this like, basically what's the best way to put it? He's fighting this computerized intelligence. And I I don't know how to really say his name because it's all like computer lead speak, but I'm just going to call him Hodor from fucking Game of Thrones because that's kind of what it that's kind of what it reads to be like because he's got like numbers and shit in it. But anyway, it's like so so basically like Superman is fighting this computer guy Hodor and then like in, in action comics, he's fighting like other people and everything. And then they roll out Vandal Savage in this. But it it reminds me of when when they didn't know what the fuck to do with the clone saga. And eventually they're just like, fuck this. We're bringing back the green goblin and Norman Osborn is behind everything. But what about, but what about, but what about this and this and Norman Osborn, green goblin. He did everything. The end. And like, I feel like in this, it's kind of like there were all these different bad guys that were fighting the new 52 Superman. And now all of a sudden they're all the sons and daughters of Vandal Savage. And it's just like, but what about, Vandal Savage. But what about he's on TV, Vandal Savage. You know, like and that's that's kind of what I feel like this was kind of leading up towards. And like now if you look at some of the the ongoing like Superman Wonder Woman books like that Justin asked me about, like some of the storylines like basically are being closed off, kind of going, "Oh, it's all Vandal Savage. Like Vandal Savage did all this stuff. Like Vandal Savage is behind everything." And I'm just kind of like, "He is." Oh, okay. I guess that, you know, like all right. You know, like but... one, one one thing I did want to mention in, in like uh, I like I think we discussed this like one scene that gave me like the same kind of feeling as something else we had read and discussed before is like when Colin Bunn Aquaman shows up. 
I got, like, the same feeling I got in, like, Spider Island when, like, the one of, like, you know, the Queen's, like, spider bodyguards just, like, was revealed to be Captain America. Um, like, it wasn't, yeah. like, I was kind of like, wait, where did that, where the hell did that come from? Yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. like, like, because it, it, it was, like, you know, a major character that just was suddenly inserted into this, like, storyline with no, like, prior, like, buildup or anything. So I was kind of like, wait, what? I was like, is that the, I was like, I'm by no means familiar with Aquaman or what he's doing now. And, you know, God knows what Colin Bunn is doing with him. But besides, it was awful. Besides sucking. Yeah, yeah exactly. But <laughs> I was just kind of like, yeah, why, why is he showing up here? What does he have to do with anything? Like, okay. Yeah. I was like, well, I guess I, there's water. I see water. So I guess, I mean, that's the connection. But he wants, you gotta, you gotta give me more than that. He wants, he wants the micro sun out of his ocean. Why do they bring it to the fucking ocean? Fuck if I know guys, fuck if I know. But anyway, Hey, look, shit's wet. Um, I, I was I was gonna bring this up, Derek. Um, just because this is where you lost me. Because I was listening to your recap, and I give you much kudos to doing your own like synopsis. Very very no, no, proud of you. No no no, it's not it's not that I'm such a great human being. I think nobody wanted to read this shit and synopsize it on the internet, so I couldn't just steal it from somewhere else. So I had to fucking write it myself. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to describe it to to the listeners. Um, but when when you lost me was when you were saying the kids start stabbing Superman with a fork over and over again. And I was like, first of all, what kid would do that to a normal human being? And second of all, when Superman's like, I'm Superman, ow, ow, quit, I'm, I'm super, ow, ow, <laughs> could, could, could you stop stabbing me with a fork? I'm like, what the fucking kind of eight-year-old it's, is this? Well, because he, he, they still, he, he's a kid. He doesn't understand that Superman lost his powers. So he thinks it's just going to bend on his skin because his skin is indestructible. But Superman doesn't have that same level of invulnerability anymore. So he plays it off like it doesn't hurt, but it does hurt. And then, he, you know, the next scene, he's out in the cold in the snow and, and Red Hood's kind of like, you're bleeding, dude. And he's like, yeah, I just I, I, I didn't want to disappoint the kid. You know, like I, I didn't well, want well, to say I, anything. At the same time, even if it was Superman, if like I saw if I saw Clark Kent like, hover down in front of me as Superman and be like, you know, like, hello, I'm Superman. I'm the protector of the world. I'm just here to make sure everybody has a good life, and I just want to protect everybody. I would throw a goddamn cinder block in his face, like, prove it! <laughs> hey, Captain, yesterday, can I, like, wail on you with this two-by-four and it doesn't hurt you? Ow! Oh, that didn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. There, There is some, you, you're, you're like, what the hell's wrong with this kid? Like, why is he so fucking violent and vindictive? But I don't, I don't think that, I don't think the intent of the scene is, it, I don't think that is the intent of the scene, but I understand why maybe my description may have lost you, because maybe it just sounds like he's some, you know, crazed kid who likes, you know, I don't know, slaying bugs with his magnifying glass or some shit. But I don't, I don't think that's. What I was gonna be Joker of Gotham. They killed my contract. <laughs> I'm not gonna get another job. Well, I, I also agree with you that like the scene where like Superman calls Lois for like help and like they kind of have an awkward talk and. Like, I, I was kind of like, man, Lois is, like, totally unlikable. Like, I, I don't know, because she's all like, you know, you'll see, like, within time that, like, you know, me me revealing your identity to the world is a good thing. And, like, Superman's <laughs> like, yeah, thanks, bitch, bye. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's not, yeah. I mean, that whole thing is is kind of, yeah, like, I mean, and, and, and I, think, I, think, I think for people who really, really did love the, 
the lowest Superman, like the the marriage, the previous, you know, post-crisis sort of relationship. Like they all, I mean, uh, to them, this is as bad as, you know, uh, a brand new day or one more day or, you know what I mean? Like to them, it's like this anathema, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to go that far. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not in that camp per se, but I am in the camp that thinks Lois is completely unlikable and, and irredeemable in this universe, which probably means they broke her. You know what I mean? Like, like that's, you know, but you know me, I just want Superman to run around and bang Maxima all day or something like that. So like, it's not like the end of the world for me, but, but like, I, I can understand why, why that just seems kind of odd, you know? Yeah. I, I also found it odd that like they were arguing against like Jason Todd's like suggestions because I'm like wait but isn't Vandal Savage like immortal like he'll probably come back like you know but I I felt like the Red Hood was making some good points like like he he, he was kind of like all Bill Pullman when he, he was kind of like Newcom <laughs> <laughs> and then and Superman's like no we can't Newcom like. Well, that, that's, that's like okay. Well, I mean, I, I know, I know people. Like, this like just like this guy who's like, I've been watching this Legends of Tomorrow show, and Rip, like Hunter, is doing a lot of cool things against Vandal Savage. His plans always work. Let's follow those plans. <laughs> no, you know, it, it, that's always been like my problem with like solutions in in comic books. You know, and and I know people are gonna have like a field day or, or argue about you know the, the, there's that superhero morality, and I just I. That kind of stuff I never get. It's like no, like especially the scene where where you know Dick Grayson and and Batgirl are like, no, we don't want to do what Jason says. Like we can do the humane thing and teleport him to Hawaii. And I'm kind of like, how is that humane? Like if you teleport Vandal Savage to Hawaii, he'll probably kill some people in Hawaii. Like why? I I don't know. It just like all that. Kind and of isn't stuff. like I, I isn't isn't like Gray Sun like a super secret agent now? Doesn't yes. it, doesn't he encounter situations where you know you got to kill someone? I'm, I'm, like didn't, I'm sure he he has. Like that's that's the other didn't, thing. Didn't he kill KG Beast? I mean, yeah. what was that? Yeah. Of? Yeah, yeah. So. so yeah, I don't know. Like I just yeah. Yeah, Vandal Savage is gonna go to Hawaii and be like, I hate puka shell necklaces. Kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, the Vandal Sabers. Savage, like, he just, like, teleports in, and everyone's like, Aloha, <laughs> He's like, no! <laughs> I don't know if you know this, I've been, I've been around since the Egyptian times, or maybe a caveman, I'm not sure. My, my continuity is fucked up right now to do this show. <laughs> well, that's what you get when you merge a hat set with uh, Vandal Savage, but whatever. But um, anyway, I, I just wanted to share this because, you know, it's not so much like I, I didn't intend to have a bitch session about this, but but it, it, it is one of those things where I'm like, this is clearly like a snapshot of what's going on, you know, right at the moment. So like and, and, and I can understand, like everybody has their own reactions to it. Like Tony's like, what the hell's going on? I don't follow this at all. You know, you, you, Mike, you read it. You got what was going on, but you see the problems in it. And and you know, of course, Justin, you gave up, like you know, uh, you know, midway through, which it doesn't surprise me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I I don't think this is is the the pinnacle of of storytelling or anything. But I just I, to me, it was like one of those things where it's like, look, we've got Bunny Batman, you know, 
you know, T-shirt Superman and and weird Colin Bunn Aquaman, like all in the same story, like even though it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then we've got like Grayson, Super Spy, Red Hood and Adectic Memory, you know, Burnside Batgirl hanging out, you know, which is supposed to be like a new thing for the girls and everything. And I'm just like, this is just kind of interesting to me, like just to see like oh, this kind of yeah. snapshot. Like I know. Like, I know, like, for, was it Forever Young, I think, made that thread on Bot Talk where he said, like, you know, everything in, going on in, like, detective comics or whatever is kind of, like, so far removed from what he actually, like, wants to read about at the moment. And, like, I don't know, I, I think he was talking more about Scott Schneider's book, but, mm-hmm. like, when I read this, like, I kind of, like, understood, like, Well, that yeah, that, that's, that's the other thing, yeah. too, is I, I, I didn't even know precisely what he was referring to because I've only, you know, I read... I read the ongoing Batman book just to keep up with it. And then, and then I was reading this cause I was keeping up with all the Superman books, but it's like, if, if it was something in detective comics, I haven't read detective comics since that first issue. You know what I mean? Like almost, you know, yeah. like, and, and, and I haven't read Batman and Robin since it turned into like Batman and people who are not dead Damien or whatever. So I, I think it's really funny that like, um, Back in the day, back when me and you were kids, Derek, annuals usually had, like, these one-off stories that were, like, you know, eh, whatever, that was okay. Or that was, like, you know, at least mildly entertaining. But from the synopsis you gave, and from everybody's reaction who actually read it, which, like, again, that's I didn't read this uh, arc. Like, the annual is, like, more fulfilling and more, like, oh, that's a nice, complete, fun, compact well, story that I enjoyed. And I'm, like... My God, it's like the annual was actually better than the ongoing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in my defense, like, that's kind of how I tried to sell this, is I really did like the annual, but it's with the caveat that reading the ongoing series was not very good, like, for me, you know, like, and, and you know, part of that was the way they actually introduced Mongol. I mean, Mongol was, like, part of a fucking video game or some shit, and, and like, the the oh, Japanese God. toy man was there, and I'm just like, wait, what? Like <laughs> Bat- Zachary, I must destroy myself. <laughs> it's like it's like Batman and Superman beat him in like a virtual <laughs> reality like Tron world or something, and I'm just like, what the hell does this have to do with Mongol? I'm like, where's War World? Like, what the fuck is this? So it's like when that annual came out, I'm like, I didn't even care that it was Jochi. I was just like, oh, thank God, fucking War World, fucking arenas, like fucking, they're gonna get together some good guys and some other good guys, and they're gonna be each other up okay good like something i can fucking wrap my head around and not like we we, we seemingly right shit like helping for drago or drago or whatever yeah, it yeah. Is. no no but i'm just saying just something i could wrap my fucking head around you know like and 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 i did really like that but that's with the the caveat that you know all the other issues of batman versus superman up to this point i think have been either horrible or just mediocre you know like the, in, in my <laughs> You know, I, I will ask you this, Derek, um, just because you, you had just a positive this topic for us this uh, week. Do you prefer the original Batman Superman comic or the new one? The new Vince, too. I, I, I do full really, run. Uh, I don't really like either of them, but I guess I guess there'd be <laughs> I, I, I I'd be willing to say to this point, there's probably more stories in the, you know, the the one that Loeb started, 
you know, basically, you know, after he left with like the 20s or something, there's other arcs from like Joe Kelly and different guys like that that I didn't mind reading. So I'd probably give it to that with like the annuals and and some of the other stuff. But yeah, but only only barely. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, if it was up to me, I'd be reading like World's Finest or something, you know. Like, the, the, you know, the, the kind of stuff that I went over. Like, when I when I think of stuff that gives me the feels, you know, I, I think of the either the original, you know, issues of World's Finest, you know, over 300 issues of, like, fun, kooky Batman-Superman team-ups where they're trying to prank each other and punk each other in the Silver Age or something like that. Or, you know, as far as, like, you know, the, the modern stuff, you know, the stuff I kind of talked about, like Dark Knight over Metropolis, you know, that revival of World's Finest where it was like those 10 issues, like, yeah, like, like, yeah. like rereading those like made me kind of go, oh, yeah, this was great. Like, I really like this, you know, and stuff like that. So, I mean, th- those are the kind of things that I was drawn to more than uh, than than the I guess either Superman, Batman or. You know, you, you know, the one from from the early 2000s, as opposed to this, you know, 20, 2013 series, you know. Do, do you think like um, this is actually one of the biggest questions I want to ask everybody? And like I said, this is not my topic this week. But do you think at this point with how they portrayed Batman and Superman, even in New 52, is it kind of a toxic combination where they can't actually do good stories to where in the past they could actually do fun stories, like you said, like prank stories, or even The Dark Knight Returns, which was like, you know, very antagonistic. You know, we had Superman almost be the bad guy, which I know you did enjoy in a, in a certain level because you like Superman, but it was well told at least. It was like, you know, it, it actually played up a certain, you know, dynamic that actually paid off. Like, do you think it's like to the point now where you know, we're worried about the movie that's coming out. And it's not because we're worried because we think it's going to be shitty. It's like, we want to see, we want to see the Justice League. That's all the fans want to see. They want to see the Justice League come together and do a good movie. Do you think like the, the way that DC has handled both these characters is like kind of toxic to where like, you know, you're like, I, I wonder if they can get along and make it seem real because we made Batman so dark. We made Superman either either All Star Superman or you know New Fifty Two Superman, where he's more real. Like, can they actually gel on the same page and actually make like not people like us who've read the comics and like enjoy the mythology and see where they've come together and split apart, come together, split apart, but just like be like you know Superman would be friends with Batman. You know, it's like like new fans like people who don't know that dynamic. I think in order to do that, you have to like totally ignore most of the current continuity, like the Brian Hitch uh, justice league book, JLA, like that's Mm. a really good book. And it's good because it ignores a lot of this Superman truth, bunny ears, Batman. Like I really like the current story where they're fighting Rao. Yeah. Yeah. The Kryptonian God Rao comes down and like Batman and Superman have some conflict over, over that issue because Superman is totally like, oh yeah, Ral, like you're cool, you're awesome, like let's totally like save the planet. And Batman's like, mm, I don't know, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't, or at least so far as I read it, it doesn't devolve into like an absolute like fist fight. Like you're wrong, and I'm gonna kick your ass. Well, anything. yeah, and they're they're actually, I mean, the Justice League is actually working 
together on yeah. this. Like, you, you know, what's interesting about that is I, I think that Brian Hitch Justice League story is like a better version of the one with you remember the Superman one you asked me about with Ulysses where he comes down and oh, yeah. invites everybody. I mean, the premise is kind of the same. I mean, Rao's supposed to be the Kryptonian god, Rao, personified, and he's basically telling everybody, hey, come with me, I'll make the world a better place. Like, this is going to be awesome. And, you know, Superman's essentially like, yeah, Rao says he's going to make shit awesome. I, th- I think it will be awesome. You know, and meanwhile, Batman's kind of in the background being skeptical and shit. And eventually, you know, it turns out, of course, duh, like, Rao's not, like, super awesome, and he's going to fuck everybody everybody up and you know and then it's going to turn into this whole you know justice league versus you know this guy who's basically the, you know the personification of the kryptonian god route like like i i think i think the the core of of even like the the war world stuff was cool too because they're i mean yeah they're they're pitted against each other but they're actually working in harmony do you know what i mean like to, to save the day behind the scenes whereas with gordon and superman it's like they really had to do that hard sell like like part of me kind of wondered like obviously gordon's seen superman do good stuff in the past when he has his powers and it's just like this weird thing of like why all of a sudden now that he's you know his powers have been dwarfed and like you know there's some dumb storyline in the current superman books where he punched out a cop who turned out to be like a fucking zuka zuka alien or whatever <laughs> like now gordon's mad at him because of that it's like i don't you know like i don't i don't know i don't i i don't even understand like some of that stuff where it's like it's like it just doesn't make any it's like it, it seems like they they had to go out of their way to make the two characters antagonistic to one another when they wouldn't necessarily be at such odds. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seemed like they, they were, they were explicitly trying to make them like, so, so opposed Forcing their hand. Yeah. You know, like, like, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It like, I, like I, I was like, I don't know. Like uh, I was like when when Jim Gordon shot that guy in the back, I was kind of like that doesn't seem like something he'd do, yeah, but yeah. okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like Jim, what happened to you, man? He used to be so cool. <laughs> yeah, like I'm I thought he, way, he'd um... have a better he'd have a better gr- grasp of the bigger picture, basically. Like I don't know. Uh, just because I've been coming up with a new fifty two is Jim Gordon like Gotham Gordon, where he's like young, or is he still like old man Gordon? Uh, he's not. He's not quite as young as Gordon on Gotham, but he's not. You know, I mean, m- most of the new Fifty Two books, he's had color in his hair. Let's put it that way. Do you know what I mean? Like so. Oh, so like like forties, yeah, forties, yeah, 50s, yeah. Not like, like yeah, it's kind of like they try to. They, I mean, they're not trying to ignore that they had a Jim Gordon that was you know older than Batman and everything like that. But now that he is essentially Batman for the the Gotham City Police Department. It's like you you can tell like oh he you know they're basically like you got to cut out the smoking, you know, you got to work out, you got to like shave your head like a marine, you know, to be this new Batman. And oh, does, does, does he wear glasses? No, he's wearing contacts. Do you know what I mean? Like like so it's like it's uh, like it's yeah, like, it's like go, yeah. you know there there there's explanations as to you know how he he refines himself to fit into that mold. You know, so it's not like just out of nowhere. But if you don't, you know, if it, I guess I kind of wanted to throw the cold splash of water in your guys's face and just see how you reacted to it, because you know, there, there's not a whole lot of setup <laughs> other than you know occasional, 
you know, like like the the weird thing to me is like they I I don't know why they included that one scene where where uh you know basically Superman runs into Bruce Wayne you know who was the bearded guy on the bench, like that was like weird because I'm like I get in context like if you've been reading the Batman books you know that's Bruce Wayne and that he's taking care of kids and he's you know basically semi amnesiac and all this other stuff but it's like I don't know like in the middle of that. Batman Superman thing I wouldn't think you guys would even get that at all I like I I got it because I I had known that like that was like Bruce Wayne's like current status or whatever but I don't know it it seemed I was like how selective is his amnesia basically because he's kind of like you know we've met before sort of haven't we and like I don't know like Clark was all kind of evasive about it but yeah I don't know yeah it just didn't (laughs) I, I guess I would say, like, you know, um, I know we're getting close to wrapping up this episode. I, I kind of agree with Derek. I like the idea of Batman and Superman being these guys who know each other and kind of honestly poke fun at each other. But, like, Bruce is aware of who Superman is. And also Superman is aware of who Bruce is. It's like, I guess the best way to put it is, like, a mutual respect thing. And I don't like the whole, like, I, I don't like the whole, like, Bruce being suspicious of Superman, like, you know, I have to have kryptonite. If I have to kill him, I'll kill him. I, I, I like the idea of, like, you know, I'm having this kryptonite because, like Derek said, like, that one story he, he pointed out is, like, Clark gave him the kryptonite. It's like, if I go, if I go bad, you have to take care of this because I trust you. That seems more like a, a friendship instead of, like, you know, a play against everyone. Uh, it's like, that kind of storytelling makes me like, like I said, you know, we, Derek said, you know, we were harking back to like, you know, silver age and stuff like that. But at the same time, like these aren't supposed to be heroes and like, yeah, heroes can kill. I have, you know, moved past that in the nineties. I know that like you could be a good guy and still kill someone and still be a hero. Doesn't sit well with me sometimes, but I understand the, uh, the, the motivation behind that, you know, like sometimes you have to do the most horrible thing you would ever want to do just to get the better goal. I mean, even like Superman, like, you know, zzzit Mongol with his like laser beams at one point. And that's fine. But I, I, I like the idea of Batman and Superman being friends and actually understanding each other as opposed to like having this tenuous relationship and I think that's why we did this episode going into Batman v Superman, you know, Kramer v Kramer, um, you know, fighting for the rights of childhoods everywhere. It's because we want to see these guys get together. We want to see something on the film that mimics the best of the comic stories. And I think that's why people are really worried. I don't think it's because of who's playing who, the actors playing actors. You know, who gets lumped in because of, you know, Justice, you know, Reborn or Justice, you know, the Dawn of Justice. It's because we want to see Batman and Superman have a fun time. And this isn't like a Deadpool thing. I don't care about R rating. I don't care about blood and guts. I would just like to see a fun comic book movie that's not the Avengers and not, you know, silly and stupid, but also like serious on a nice level you know just like a handshake you know it's like clark you're a good guy you know and like you know 
you know, Bruce, I appreciate, you know, that respect, you know, just like people who get along. And I think like that's what the comics we've been talking about actually personify is like a mutual respect for the fact that Batman is the human component that Superman wants to be. But Superman is like the guy Batman can't be. And he knows that. And he also respects that because he's like, I can't be Clark. I will never be Clark. Clark is better than me in a lot of ways, but I need to have Clark grounded by being a human. You know, I mean, I mean, that's just like my my idea is how I would want to see that movie progression go. I I mean, obviously, there's going to have to be some kind of arc. I mean, I know some things we didn't talk about are like fights, and I'm sure there's that subsect of fandom that's like, oh, I want to watch Batman kick Superman's ass, or I want to watch Superman kick Batman's ass, or whatever the, you know, these subsects of people that just want to see the throwdown of it, you know, and and I don't don't think that came up too much tonight, you know, and I, I don't think we're part of that fan collective, you know, that wants to just see two guys you know, beat the snot out of each other, at least not, not two guys we consider friends, you know, and, and, you know, obviously they may be at odds in the beginning of the film, but I I think everybody's hoping by the end of it, if they're going to form the fucking justice league that they gotta, you know, at least kind of be like, Hey bro, you're my bro. Like, and let's go do bro things in the justice league. So I, I, I hope that's what, you know, I mean, that's what you would think would be the logical progression so i mean you know yeah i i sort of agree with what you're saying tony to answer tony's question like dc is making a fun but serious movie and it's gonna be called wonder woman and it's gonna be awesome (laughs) (laughs) you you know what honestly just i will say this right now you were you're talking about trinity i i love wonder woman i think she's a great character and i really hope it's a good movie and if it's fun and enjoyable hell yeah the like, I, I don't care about feminism. I don't care about like you know misogyny. I mean, I think you know all those things have their like tropes that are like bad and good. I think there's really strong feminists. I think there's like really horrible misogynists. I think there's really horrible feminists. Really horrible misogynists. Like, well, most misogyny is bad. Um, let me take that back. But like, as far as like, I, feminism, I would I like to. I would like to be a strong misogynist. <laughs> misogyny is bad. It is bad. Uh, but I, but 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 my my point is is like we don't have a really strong female superhero on screen, and I would love for Wonder Woman to break that mold to where we can actually see a strong female lead character take the stage. And like Wonder Woman is that perfect icon because she 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 broke the mold, you know, seventy years ago. You know, she was like the best like example of what could happen, even though. Some of those comics are a little bit misogynist in the early days, but she has grown to be a very strong character. And I think Diana Prince is like, yeah, the the perfect way to do that. So, uh, yeah, I totally see your brothers on that. I I hope Wonder Woman is awesome. I think think the preview footage they showed on that Donna Justice special was pretty promising. I mean, I I was excited to see Chris Pine as Steve Trevor because I think he'll make a good Steve Trevor. And the the whole World War One setting is kind of interesting. Like, I don't think it's anything we've. I mean, I guess you could argue like you know, yeah, we've seen kind of Agent Cartery. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could argue we've seen Wonder Woman in World War Two, but I you know I can't think of a superhero we've seen in World War One like off the top of my head. So I, I, I think that'll be interesting. Can you be ready to go, Diana? But do you need me in Hollywood? Well, I like that. 
Every beautiful young woman in these United States would give a right arm to go to Hollywood. And you ask if you need it there. Well, I guess I just don't understand what's so special about Hollywood. It's just a small suburb in Los Angeles, isn't it? Do, do we want to go on to, uh, like, what's awesome in our world this week? Yes. All right. So since Justin was super, super eager, what what's awesome in your world this week, man? All right. I got two things. Um, I finally finished watching Common Rider Drive. Um, I got, I got uh, kind of behind on some Woo. of my uh, toku watching, but I finally sat down and finished it, and it was awesome. Um, you know, nice. you know, you uh, you you guys do uh, the uh, toku shows about Gaim, and I loved Gaim. I didn't think anything after that would be as good, but Drive was really great. Um, you know, I watched the movie Surprise Future. I thought that was pretty good. It was pretty interesting. Um, it's a shame Ghost is not even half as good, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but yeah, Drive was awesome. Come on, uh, come on, Ghost. Yeah, I, 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 I like Drive a lot. I was actually like, you know, w- when I was trying to stop myself from watching new Gaim episodes because I knew me and Tony were going to talk about them. Like, that's kind of what I channeled all my like enthusiasm into and i wasn't really disappointed you know like i i i really like i like heart and i like you know medic and and all the bad guy characters brain you know stuff like that and 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 of course i like mock and you know kiriko and you know like i i enjoyed the cast the different movies and everything and stuff so i i was pretty I was pretty stoked about it. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't have spent all that money on the the drive car. So, but yeah, I I, I did think it was pretty pretty cool. So I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. Um, my second thing is, uh, it's gonna sound weird, but it's a I found this on Hulu. It's a British show called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, and it's it's kind of a parody of like weird. I don't know, like. 80s bizarre uh, actually, shows. Actually, actually, I know you're talking about. I know you're talking about. Does it takes place in a hospital, right? Yes, it's like it's said. Basically, the the in universe story is, Dark Place was a supposedly lost and revolutionary TV series in the 80s. It was so awesome that it was put on the shelf, and like it's like now you're seeing these you know lost great episodes, and they're just so. It's a show that's filmed to look bad, and it's filmed to look like something bad from the 80s with, like, bad special effects and, you know, bad, like, exterior model shots of a hospital. And it's so off the wall, like, um, one episode has, like, people turning into, like, uh, broccoli people. One episode has, like, ghosts uh, terrorizing them at the hospital. There's one where they like turn into apes, like playing the apes or something. Like it's it's only like six or seven episodes, but it's it's so bizarre and off the wall. But like I loved every minute of it, and like the character Garth Marenghi himself, he's like this mixture of any kind of like terrible like huckster kind of author you've seen on TV or something. Like he he reminds me of like a if Stephen King were like a car salesman. And he's, yeah, like, he's yeah. like slimy, and he's like, you know, I wrote this really awesome series, and they couldn't deal with it, but here it is, and you know, he it's supposed to be revolutionary, but here you have like the female character, it's like totally being like, uh, you know, put in a refrigerator or whatever you want to say, like she's totally like, you know, it's totally not revolutionary at all. It's it's kind of terrible, but it's but like that's what makes it funny. 
Um, actually, uh, it, it, it aired on Adult Swim for a very limited time because I really? guess it didn't get a following. Yeah, yeah. It, it was uh, it didn't get as big following as uh, the the Mighty Boosh. But uh, yeah, Darth Marenghi, Darth Marenghi was actually on Adult Swim for a while. And it is really a fun show. It's it's really dark, obviously, by the title. But um, yeah, it's funny as hell. It's like a weird Doctor Who hospital house thing. <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, I like I, I found it on Hulu because I was watching Spaced, and in the little thing, it's like you know, if you like this, you may like blah blah blah. And I was like, well, what's what's this? I've never heard of it. And like I watched it, and I thought it was awesome. Cool, cool. Is that is that is Garth Marenghi's Dark Place a byproduct of Stephen King somehow, or or is I that just? Don't, I don't think no. so. Okay. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think okay. So. Okay, um, so I guess we'll we'll move down my little Skype list and go on to the robot composite Superman Batman that's staring me in the face. Uh, Mike, what is your awesome thing of the world this week? I think my awesome thing of the last couple of weeks is Deadpool the movie because it was pretty awesome and I saw it again today, my second time, and, and you know it did not. It did not disappoint or diminish my, you know, opinion of the first time, which I thought was awesome. So, yeah, like, I, I'm glad that this, this year has kicked off strong in terms of comic book movies. And, you know, just, you know, it's still good when, like, all the same parts you saw, like, make you laugh again, basically. Like, you know, genuinely, not, like, even, like, the parts that I forgot about, basically, because, like, there's so, it's so dense in terms of, like, jokes and, like, references and stuff that, you know, you were like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that part, basically. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Deadpool. I thought it was a fun, fun, entertaining romp. Maximum effort. It, it was good, yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds, you are forgiven, sir. Well, what what are we forgiving him for? Um, well, well, yeah, yeah but that they, then he can't be forgiven. Like <laughs> that, that that's still there. Like <laughs> <laughs> he spoke out against Wolverine Origins, so I can't really forgive him because he thought it was shit too. So yeah, yeah true. The true go. point is true. Yeah. There you go. You're gonna, you're gonna fucking die in five minutes. Deadpool <laughs> <laughs> was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Well, what about you, Tony? What was your awesome thing in the world this week? First of all, uh, I, I guess I have two. Um, Legends of Tomorrow is really good. You guys should watch it. Um, I know everyone who's on the podcast has watched it. The team dynamic is really fun. I enjoy it. Um, we get love for Martin Stein. I know Derek loves that. And I like White Canary. White Canary is how, how much better is Sarah <laughs> in this show than her own show in Arrow? It's crazy. It's like it's like a really good team dynamic. I even like Jackson. I mean, he 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 shows through that. This is a really fun show, and I think what it is is like it brings the Avengers to the small screen because you get big battles and you get like fun stuff. And it also has good interplay and good humor. You know, it's like, you know, Captain Cold is obviously the breakout. Uh, I know Mike pointed out the little, like I've been involved in a prison break before, which is a really good line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It's like just the, those little nods. It's, it's a really good show. Um, for personal things, I picked up a couple of uh, new Batman Batmobiles this week. Uh, they were actually 
2015, so I was lucky that they restocked him at my Walmart. I picked up the Batcopter from the 66 Batman uh, movie. I picked up the Tumblr from the, well, I guess you would say Batman Returns. Um, not like, you know, oh, Batman Begins, excuse me, not Batman Returns. And, you know, uh, we also got the 89 Batmobile from the Tim Burton movie. All of these are really nice, like, small die-cast cars. And I've really gotten into this whole small-scale collecting, really cool little features like the the 89 Batmobile's uh, front canopy slide back. The Tumblr, I'm not a big fan of Tumblr, but it looks cool in this version. It's got big rubber wheels. They're all studded, and it looks like a beast like it's supposed to. The small Hot Wheels one was really unimpressive. It's a smaller car. I didn't like it. And this is the first Tumblr I've ever bought. And then the 66 Batcopter, just the big widespread wings, the red on it, it's really, it really pops. It's like that really cool, cheesy, like campy goodness that you want from a, you know, Adam West show. So I was really happy to like kind of nab those uh, toys. And it made me like also really like gracious that they were released in my Walmart because they've been out of like, I guess, print or release in over a year. So I was like, oh, wow, you got a new wave and it's an old wave. How did this happen? So I was I was like, yeah, I was very happy because on eBay and Amazon, they're high as hell, especially the uh, 89 Batmobile is like almost $40. And I got it for $7. So I was pretty happy about that. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't I don't have as much luck with the the Walmart stuff or exclusives, so I I did resort to eBay to get the uh, Dark Knight, Superman, Batman, and Son of Batman <laughs> figures from the the Mattel stuff. But that's one of the things that I got in the mail this week, um, which you know ties into this episode pretty much. And then I did get some other cool eBay deals with uh, some figure arts type stuff. So now I'm kind of kind of whole hog in on the the gaim stuff because i i ended up getting the the bikes for baron and gaim and then i uh got the uh melon energy arms and uh duke lemon arms so to to and and that's sort of building on getting a mandarake shipment with like basically all the all the gaim versions and all the baron versions released up to this point so that's soda. That's that's me. Tony's infected me. I'm I'm a guy horn now, and I sell out for guy. So that's that's all there is to it. But yeah, those are those are some of my awesome things. Oh, and and I did get and I found a um I find I've been wait looking for this for a while, and I just wanted to get something that was like a halfway decent price, and and it wasn't too bad. I I, I got a D Arts Mega Man for a pretty decent price. So my my hope my intent is maybe I can get some more Capcom related toys and maybe do a little, you know, Capcom versus Marvel photo shoot or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I saw that. Good sure. job on he that. Looks, yeah, he looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, he looks fun. So, so Yeah, um, the 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 high end Magma guys are really high, so good job on that and that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean it's not like it was like cheap, but it wasn't it wasn't like like I, you know, I had seen it go as high as, you know, like over, you know, 100, 150 like crazy stuff like that and it was it was way below that. So, so I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. All right. Well, I guess I guess that wraps up 
Batman v Superman. So everybody, uh, stay cool out there. Be racer cool. And uh, <laughs> if you want to send us any questions, comments, and/or concerns, you can send them at fanholespodcast at gmail dot com. We of course are on fanholes podcast.blogspot.com you can stream us on Stitcher Radio you can hear us on iTunes uh, rate and review leave us feedback on Facebook Twitter, Tumblr Instagram and yeah so that's going to take us out so thanks for listening guys Uh, hope you enjoyed the Batman Superman talk and we'll see you soon this is Derek, Derek WC Racer Cooling Off goodbye Hey, it's Mike, and my advice is nuke him. Hey, this is Justin. Hey, guys, this is Dunning and Dick Grayson, A12. God damn it. I think Dick Grayson and Barry Allen should like team up and give the all the bad guys their addresses and full names and everything. <laughs> I am super That's secret probably. agent Dick Grayson. Like here's my name and address yeah, and all my <laughs> identification. <laughs> that makes me think of the Justice League Unlimited where Luthor is in the Flash's body and he's like, at least I can figure out who this guy is. And he's like, takes the mask off and he's like, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> and that is like see, one of the best scenes in JLU. Yeah, that was really good. I have no idea. But see that is. that Luth- that Luther had a photographic memory, so he should have just remembered what he looked like, and then like looked, looked, looked through a bunch later. of yeah, like everyone in Central City, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>